Hello and welcome to the final page of the diary until the fall. We're going to be going on our summer hiatus. Uh, next week we do have a little bit of a reflection happening. I'm going to just talk about my experience doing the podcast. But this is our last page that I'm going to have a guest on. And it is an exciting one. I really like this episode. And it was kind of done on the fly too because... Uh, the guest today is McKeg Collins, and I worked with him in Worcester, Massachusetts on the Worcester Shakespeare Company. You've heard me talk about this company in previous episodes, like the one with Janice and the one with Arif. But McKeg was, I actually didn't go to college with him. Uh, he was, uh, he's a native of uh, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. I think I'm, I think that's the right town. It's a suburb in Massachusetts. But um He's a native there, and he was working at the company at the time, and that's how we met. So he, I hadn't seen him in five years, and he, you know, I'd been following him on social media and all that. So you know, you keep up with people that way. But he was going on a road trip from L.A. to back home to Massachusetts, and he messaged me and asked to be on the podcast and I thought this would be an amazing time for a reunion so he came on the podcast did the basement diaries and checking in with Wes and I decided to just make it the finale of uh, the first collection of the basement diaries and I, I usually try to keep these you know you uh, you probably noticed if you're attentive that at the start of this I kind of let them go as long as they did you know as long as the conversations went but then as I, I started to streamline it more as I went on through doing more interviews, just because it's a lot of volume to take in, especially when you're doing it by yourself and you have to do one interview a week, you, you kind of start having to put a time limit on things. But for this one, I just went it, it let it go as long as I wanted. And we touch on a lot in this interview. I think the most we probably talk about is like film and like film criticism uh, because that's definitely McKegg's niche. He's also a writer, actor, creator, and we get into all that. But we also get into a lot of his uh, personal development and where he is as a human being right now. Uh, I hope you all really enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And make sure to stay tuned next week as we do our reflection. Um, I'm going to meditate and reflect on this whole collection of the diary next week. Uh, so that will be our, our official last page, and we will be back. I don't want to put a, an official timestamp on when we will be back, but sometime in the fall, hopefully late August, early September. But again, I don't know that for sure. It could be as late as late September, but let's hope not. But yeah, I'm, uh, like I said before, I'm going to be taking this time to really try to bring a different uh, circle of guests on the podcast, not just from my college years or, you know, acting. I, I, I want to bring more of a variety of artists um, from the Chicago community. And that's what I'm going to be taking the summer off for to kind of get more immersed into the artistic scene here and just be open to those experiences. So here again is page 23 of the diary and also check out McKeg on the next episode of checking in with Wes, which I should say will still be airing every other Friday during the summer. So I'll still be doing that. And McKeg is going to be talking about 
the process of writing, uh, which I found to be really interesting because I definitely took a lot of bits and pieces from our conversation and want to try to apply it to my own writing process. But, um, you know, everybody's is different and people have different approaches to it. And I always welcome that. But here's McKeg Collins on page 23 of the diary. Um, in college, I jokingly said, you know, like, oh, Hamlet dies at the end of Hamlet. And someone said, <laughs> like, spoiler alert. And I was like, if you don't... <laughs> it's like, been 400 years. Yeah, one, it's been, like, over four centuries. <laughs> Two, it's like... <laughs> It has been, it's like, if you don't know, like the time here, I'll give you a spoiler for everything in, in every, every Shakespeare tragedy, the title. Oh, yikes. Is, Listeners, spoiler alert yeah, here. Is not, the title character is not making it to the end. It's just, that's just how it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, but that's why, yeah, because we're just talking about Better Call Saul and the idea of like, if you, if you're spoiled by something, the idea of seeing how it happens as opposed to, to knowing the end. I think that's. Well, that's, yeah, and I think I think the show plays with that a lot too. Yeah. Like we were talking about how we know what happens to Mike in Breaking Bad, right? But it's still and Tuco and like yeah, and, and Hector and and Gut and yeah, it's but, but it's still interesting to see how um, they have evolved over the years. Yeah. And, you know, it's the how is more interesting yeah. than the what or the why. And there's enough people I think in it that you're curious about how their fates are. Like I love Kim Wexler. I think Rhea Seahorn is so good. Oh, she's amazing. And I'm if really, she doesn't get nominated for at least nominated, yeah. she should win it. But. I'm really I'm really nervous about her character. I get very I know, anxious because I'm like, oh fuck, what's gonna happen? But I mean Bob Odenkirk is so good too. I think it's Well, because some I saw an interview with her yeah. and she was talking about how um her dying might not be the most tragic fate for her character. It's and I true. think that's so true. Yeah. That's very true. I think it's, yeah, it's, I really want to catch up with the show really badly. I feel like I've been really behind on TV though. I started catching up after Thrones because I got HBO for like a month. Yeah. Just to, just to do it. And I, well, it's funny. Like, I have HBO, but I haven't seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's so, oh, that's right. You said that. It, yeah. One of your friends shamed you for that. Yeah. I, know. I feel like, cause I've, cause I've listened, cause I listened to the show and I felt like I appreciate when I, it yeah. when I, when I was binging through it, I think in those first like few episodes, I wanted to like write down notes about specific things that I want to talk about in other episodes and bring them up later. <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah, I, is, was that one of them? The game that was one yeah. of them. You just reminded me of that the other one is. I think I don't know if it was the same person or someone else that mentioned Watership Down, the movie, the anime movie about the rabbits that they also just remade for Netflix. But like that, and you were like, you were so freaked. You, I think you said something about like being worried about like anxious about watching adult cartoons or like cartoons that like have like more serious. I don't remember this. Tones. What which episode is that? I don't. Re- that's what I'm trying to figure <laughs> out. But you mentioned Watership Down, and I was like, Watership Down is like one of the best movies I've ever seen in terms of animation. I think it's a great. That is like a dark movie. Well, it's is, I, it surprises me that I would say that because I am all down with uh, adult. No, animation. you should. You should. I probably am remembering it wrong. That happens to me a lot. My memory's not as good. No, as I'm, mine's obviously not. No, I just I just save it with useless shit like quotes and things like that. Of. Like I like the Barton Fink. I hope I hope that you got that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because you were like Barton Fink. Well, did you did you get my joke that it was from that same episode of The Simpsons? Is that from the same episode? Yeah, because you sent you sent me. I'm on my way from that. Yeah, this I'm is this way. is nerd talk here, folks. Yeah, so this is Simpsons talk. It's Simpsons talk, which so. has become like my it's like my emoji. That's right? like my language. That know? is my language. Well, because in that episode, the the say you sent me a uh, yeah. a, a gift that was like uh, I'm on my way. Yeah. 
Um, and it's Homer watching the The uh, Price is Right. Yeah, The Price is Right. Not The Price is Right, right. But like Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune. And that's like the answer as opposed to <laughs> I'm like, on my way. Yeah, and he's like, hey, what'd you say, Marge? Because he's, yeah. Yeah, but in that same episode, like Bart is waiting for Homer to pick him up. That's and right. and the, the kids are in the back of the truck and they're like um, going to an R-rated movie and they're like, we're going to an R-rated movie, Bart. And they start chanting, Bart and Fink. Barton Fink. Which is great because that's just like a, there's so many great deep. Because that's that like, no kids would want to see that movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though that movie's phenomenal. Yeah, but like. No and that, yeah, and then I said to you, I'll show you the life of the mind. Which yeah. is, which, it was the, the John Goodman is like screaming at the, and like the climax. Well, I knew that was from the movie. I couldn't remember. It had yeah. been a while since it's I've been, seen yeah, it. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in a, in a while too. But I think, I it's, think like, it's on Hulu right now. Oh, that's all. People should watch, watch Barton Fink. It's yeah. like one of the most underappreciated Coen Brothers movies. I love the Coens like a lot. And I think that they're, and we were also talking about Fargo too. And I don't really care. I don't really like Fargo that much. As, as the movie? The movie. Okay, yeah. As much as other people do. But I, I've gotten into it more, especially after the show and everything. But like to me, I love. Well, my, did you see them? You saw the movie before you oh, saw yeah, the show, absolutely. right? Yeah. And I just didn't. I didn't get it. I just didn't yeah. understand. I'm like, there's something that I'm missing here that I think might people really like it. And I think, and I think that's true of most Cohen stuff too. It's like it's kind of one of those things like you kind of have to go through it twice before you can really formulate an opinion. Yeah. I know, I know some people when you say that to them, they're like, "Fuck you!" Like <laughs> I'm not gonna watch a movie twice. But there is something worthwhile in rewatching things. Oh, I rewatch things all the time. Well, I'm, because I, I like to pick them apart and yeah. dissect them. And especially the Coens, it's so rich in that way. I haven't rewatched the last two. I haven't rewatched Hail Caesar and I haven't rewatched Buster Scruggs yet. I actually um, haven't seen that one yet. Oh, uh, Buster Scruggs is interesting. That's an interesting movie. There's great segments in it. I mean, there's a middle segment with Tom. Cause Reese. it's like an anthology thing. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I love the first segment. It's like old school, like, Raising Arizona meets No Country Coens, like coalescing. It's so it's so funny and so dark. Um, but yeah, I think that I mean when it comes to the Coens to me, it's like No Country, I think is like one of the best movies. Oh, that's fantastic. I yeah. think it's just so good. And I hated it when I first saw it. But it it there are things that like come with time of watching things and rewatching, especially like when you're younger and you try to like you're you're told that some things are the best things ever. Oh made. yeah, and then you try to make yeah. that your own belief. Yeah, and you then know? you're yeah. not quite ready. Like example, there's a Vertigo poster right here. I love Hitchcock. I do not like Vertigo. Oh wow, why not? I just found I saw it when I was very young. I want to revisit it because it's been like at least ten years since I've seen it. Yeah, and I just find I found it so. Because I started with... There are definitely parts that are pretty boring. Well, it's just Jimmy yeah. Stewart following Kim Novak around for about 40 minutes of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is fine, but at the same and time... And I feel like that was one of the first movies that used, like, Technicolor, and yeah. it looks... It just doesn't look that well, great. It looks, so goo- it's, it looks so wacky, and especially I I'd come off of a high of... of I got into Hitchcock when I was, like, 13. It was through The Simpsons. And going back to The Simpsons is, like... It's my language because it's where I saw it was like my it was like my Rosetta Stone. Like really, it it introduced me to a lot of stuff I otherwise wouldn't yeah. have known about. Like like I, the Twilight Zone, exactly because of the That's Simpsons. A huge one because they made so many jokes to that yeah. to that series, and I was like, "What is this?" And then I watched it, and I was blown away when they do the Raven in Trials in the first Trials of Horror. Yeah, that turned me on to Poe, and like and, yeah, <laughs> and um, one of my favorite what has become like one of my favorite episodes is Itchy and Scratchy Land. Oh yeah, that's which, a great which is a Westworld parody, and I was like, and when I I had like a, I have like the episode guide that would tell you. Like, Wait, like, what's in a parody of Westworld? Oh, I didn't even. Yeah, because yeah. like the robots in the park go nuts, and mm. it's like also 
That's right. Back to HBO stuff. I, I that's what I just caught up on was Westworld. I need to catch up oh, on that it's too. Such a yeah, good show. It's still very good. Like season two is still good, but nobody talked about. It. I don't know why. I still think it's like a phenomenal show, and I'm really excited for. Yeah, because I, I heard a bunch of people talking about it after season one, but like well, it was a huge. Yeah. My roommates talk about this all the time. It was a huge deal when yeah. it first came out. Like everyone was picking it apart and psychoanalyzing it. Well, you know, like, I think season three is probably gonna ramp it back up because they have Aaron Paul. Well, it's it. a totally different. It's a totally different ball game. Yeah, it's like it's just gonna be a totally different shift. And I and I and that's what that's what got me back into season two. I was like, okay, how do we get from there to here? Yeah, and I think season two is great. There's some. There's two episodes in particular that are like some of the best pieces of television I've ever seen. I think they're just so well done. And I yeah, it's just one of the. But anyway. AC Scratchy Love is like one of my favorites. I probably quote it the most, especially like when I'm in a parking lot. There's that moment because when, when he says, now remember we're in the itchy lot and like, it's just like, there's only just two gigantic parking lots. Yeah. I say that every time I'm with somebody and I park a car. I'm well, now like, remember. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, now remember we're in the itchy lot. It's a great episode, but that's what introduced me to Westworld. But the biggest one, probably my favorite episode is called Bard of Darkness from that same season. It's season oh, six. Oh, the rear window parody. Which is, yeah. yeah. And they're like, this is a parody of rear window. And I was like, what is that? I have to check this out, yeah. And I went to Borders, is how long ago this was, (laughs) and and I bought that movie, and that was my first Hitchcock movie. So I didn't see Psycho, I didn't see The Birds first, I saw Rear Window first. I actually think I saw Rear Window first. And Rear Window remains probably my, it's my second favorite. It's easily, but it's, you know. What's your favorite Hitchcock? uh, I mean, it's my favorite, it's my second favorite movie, period. Oh, period, wow. Yeah. But it's my, it's my favorite Hitchcock, for sure. Okay, yeah. Um, My favorite movie, to answer that, to answer that question is Hot Fuzz. Oh, Hot Fuzz is amazing. Which I, I which yeah. people are kind of like, what? But, I could see it. But like, it's one of those movies that to me, I mean, Edgar Wright, I think I love his style. I love the way that, I love how, his movies are very smart. I think there's a great, there's a great video essay by Every Frame of Painting. Like the, like the Orson Welles of video essayists, if you will. Yeah. Like, who did this great essay about the visual cues and gags in Edgar Wright's work and how that doesn't really happen with comedy anymore. It's very much like, and I think those movies yeah, are super Yeah, I think like, that's a huge conversation um, that I've heard a lot lately is that comedy is like, don't really play into visual gags yeah. as much anymore. Which is, which is a shame because I mean, that's kind of We like, have the technology to right, do it. We have the technology. We have the technology. Well, it's such like, it's such an old school kind of thing. It's back from, you know, from Chaplin and, and Keaton and, and Harry Lloyd and all those, and all those comedians. Yeah. And it's like. Oh God, I love, I love the, I love my silent comedians, but I don't like I know they're, they're showing a bunch of Buster Keaton films at the Music Box Oh, theater. you should definitely um, go see those. Yeah. You should definitely see like The General and, and like those. I think I just saw The General like over like a little less than a year ago and it'd been a while since I'd seen he's it. He's a genius. No, he's great. But I would actually, I say you should check out Harry Lloyd. I, I actually haven't seen any of Harry Lloyd, well, you know, um, like the image of the guy hanging off the face of the clock. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Harry Lloyd. Oh okay. Um, he's kind of the unsung of those three. I mean, Chaplin like really gets all the credit. I think Chaplin's a little overrated. I do think his works are deeply human and deeply great. I I will say that like, but he's got like four. He's got three movies on the A five top one hundred. That's way too many, <laughs> especially in comparison to other people. And, and I've seen all of them, and I know that like not all those movies deserve to be there, even though they're all very good. Yeah. But Harry Lloyd is great. That's Safety Last is the movie that he's in the, with the clock, but. The Freshman and 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 uh, Speedy, those are great, great movies. And he's and what's so great about him is that like Buster Keaton is like the stone is you know stone face and and Chaplin has the tramp, but Harry Lloyd was just like a guy, 
Like he just he, played, kind of like an everyday. Yeah, man. the everyman. Yeah. Which which is what I think is so great about his works is that you feel for him because that could so easily happen to you. Yeah. It's so it's such a great. He's. I just thought he was so funny, and I just think that. I recently just saw The Freshman for the first time, and I was like, "This is like brilliant." I love, I love his work a lot. And I well, always it's will it's like crazy, do... like watching movies for the first time that yeah. are like almost a hundred years old now. Yes, um, I watched. Uh, <laughs> I did an episode of Checking In with Wes about like pre code Hollywood. And yes, stuff. I love that episode. And um, like the Public Enemy was something I watched, and I was like, "This yeah. is fascinating." With to, like, yeah, with Cagney, yeah. and it was fascinating to watch like like 90 years later yeah. and being like this has still has such a significance it has such teeth well that's what i almost that's another one i almost wrote my note like i almost like wanted to write a note about because you saw it happened one night which i think is like one of the best movies ever made mm-hmm. and i think that it's great specifically because anyone who wants to know like how romantic comedies became the way that they were that's the race it to that movie yeah like that's the movie that 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 you can see 80 years or so which w- it wouldn't have been able to be made if uh, or the, made the way it was yeah. if um, the Hollywood code if the code had you know yeah. mucked around with it but I love I mean I love those movies I love I love I love movies from that time I love Capra um, and I used to not there was another one I used to not really care for was It's a Wonderful Life because I think I was really against it being toted as the best Christmas movie because oh I, yeah I might, because, and my mom loved it so you know I was always uh, contrarian yeah. so I was like oh it's not that good if my parents like it like. yeah but I but I watch you know like Die Hard every year now and like and, and I have my movies but I have I love Miracle on 34th Street too even though people say that I'm a little too sentimental for liking that one but I think that movie's great but I saw It's a Wonderful Life I saw a print of it in New York uh, right before we were all going for Christmas because you know every year like IFC Center does it and then Donna Reed, uh, Donna Reed's daughter comes in and 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 talk and does like a talk back. But yeah. uh, seeing it again, it had been a while. It was one of those things again. I hadn't seen it in years, and I think that it's probably Capra's best work. It's his best movie. It is like, and it was not successful when it first came out because um, he had just come back from World War II, and he was like a massive deal. He was like, mm-hmm. the, there's a great book by uh, Mark Harris called Five Came Back that they also did a miniseries on on Netflix. Oh, um, that, that is about uh, Capra, John Huston, John Ford, George Stevens, and William Wyler during uh, World War II and what they did on the front. And before that, like, he, like, Ford and Capra were, like, the guys, like, at the mm-hmm. time. They were the most popular. And Ford probably had the best post-war career. But Capra's po- uh, pre-war career is incredible. Like, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and You Can't Take It With You and... Uh, and Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Oh, yeah. And, and, like, those are phenomenal movies. But I think that, like, It's a Wonderful Life is, like, a masterpiece. It's like, okay, I, I finally understand, like, I get it. Well, what, so I'm curious, like, what was the switch in your head? Like, what made you realize this was a masterpiece versus, like, not liking it before? I think I didn't understand it at the time. And I think there was a part of me that was thinking a lot about... I think there's moments when... I think about this a lot, and this is, I think about it a lot this year, that I think there are no accidents when you see something or when you encounter something. I, I don't, you know, there is like this metaphysical aspect of fate, and I do kind of partially believe in it. I've, I've kind of steered further and further away. Like, yeah, I do read horoscopes. I do this. And oh, that. I like, love horoscopes, and I can't get away from yeah, it, you know? Like, you, can, you can't help yourself There, sometimes. There is that side to you that 
um, whether it's real or not, like yeah. you almost you want to believe. You're desperate for things to have an explanation. To have a meaning. Yeah. yeah. You want so badly for you to be kind of like put into a box so you can figure out like how to fix yourself. And I think that that's part of it too, being like, oh, it, I'm this way because of Yeah, I'm side. always like... Yeah. I'm always like, if I uh, feel like I need to avoid conflict or something, I'm always like, well, that's just the Libra in me. And then yeah. I'm like, no, maybe you just need to figure out how to deal with conflict yeah, better. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you know, people don't like me because I'm, you know, because I'm a Leo and I have my own thing. It's like, no, maybe you're just a dick. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe you're just like an asshole. <laughs> but it's like one of those things where like, yeah, I think that. The- What's your sign? I'm a Leo. Oh, you're a Leo. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's why I use. That's that. why I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you if I was joking. Yeah, because that's what they do. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's how they be. No, yeah, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Leo. But it's one of those things that. But yeah, I think there are certain things that you just encounter when you're at the right time. Like, and I think that there are certain things that just speak to you in that moment. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that there's something about how George Bailey is constantly trying to be like, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to you know see the world and and you know join the Peace Corps. And just life keeps getting in the way of his own dreams. And he keeps getting frustrated about them as opposed to seeing it almost as like a blessing, as like a gift. Yeah. Like, it is funny how like it almost, there's like a, there's like a fan theory that like his wife is like secretly cursed him so he can't leave the town so that, she, so that he has to be with her, which I think is funny, but it's <laughs> That's like. really funny. I've never heard that. Um, but, um. <laughs> I think I heard that on like Unspooled, which is the podcast that Amy Nicholson and Paul Shear do, where they've been rewatching. Oh, I've been meaning to listen. To oh, that it's great. It sounds like a no. It's it. great. Yeah. It's a great way to rediscover a lot of these movies. Like I, I did the A Five Top One Hundred when I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah, and it was easy to do because it was back when Blockbuster Online was a thing, and I could just get everything and just get more Blockbuster movies. Online. <laughs> and yeah, and we had like a t- and we had like TCM. Did Blockbuster like, have like a streaming service for a little bit? That very briefly. Out? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out. You know, I would well. love I had an idea for a sketch that one like everybody watches Netflix yeah. and Hulu, but there's one person who still like still somehow like watches Blockbuster online. Yeah. Like the online still streaming does service. <laughs> well you should listen to there's another a podcast I love it very deeply is this podcast on Wondery called Business Wars, which is just all about like mm, business rivalry. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. The first I mean the first season was the first season was Netflix versus Blockbuster. Oh interesting. And it was a fascinating kind of thing because it very Blockbuster very quickly like shuffles out after like the first like three or four episodes. Yeah. And then it becomes Netflix versus HBO. And they actually just expanded it like a couple, like a month or so ago to include like now, like the market's so big with Disney Plus and like, and oh. whatever Warner's going to, whatever Warner Brothers is going to do and like, and those things. Are you scared about Disney like taking over everything? Yeah, I am a little nervous about it being a monopoly. It's uh, really, it's frightening. It especially is. Especially, you know, for people who want to be in the business. Too, yeah. Like, well, it's. it's I love that epic rap battle where it's where it's Henson versus Stan Lee, and at the end of it, Walt Disney like pops in at the end and he says like, "I'm with only three circles, I dominate the planet." And it's like it's so unfortunately true. Yeah, but I mean they do turn out really good work. But at the same time, it's one of those things that I get very nervous about. But yeah, <laughs> but back to to what I was saying about it's wonderful life and rewatching things. But like there are certain things that like speak to you in that moment. And it's been happening to me a lot lately because I've yeah. been in that moment trying to like. You've got me at like a very weird crossroads. I feel like. Oh yeah, we we were kind of talking about that. Yeah, and it's and it's like, like I watched, like I was saying, I I tried out like just a month of HBO for Thrones, but I also decided to watch a bunch of shows that I had been missing and and I hadn't really been watching, like Silicon Valley. Like I finally caught up to like the last two seasons of that. Oh nice. 
and uh, high maintenance, which I still think is so good. I think it's a I great, need to, great show. I, I've watched a few you episodes should. and I loved it. I just haven't it's gotten really, a chance really to get good. It's really, And especially oh. as a New Yorker, it like, just makes me feel so much love for, yeah. for my city. And like, and then, uh, and I've also been to watch the Larry Sanders show because I've been meaning to watch that for it's three so years, which is phenomenal. I was yeah. like, and I was, and I, and then I watched the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling and all that. And like, it is crazy. That's another one of those things. Like you see like the office and 30 rock, like you see those shows, like all kind of, I feel like just stem from Larry Sanders. Oh yeah. And it's, I think that it's, yeah. I, it was, it was ahead of its time. Very ahead of its yeah. time. And it's weird too. Cause it was like, it's as old as I am. It premiered like the two days before I was born. Like 92? Yeah. It was like August 16, 1992 is when the pilot premiered. Oh wow. Which is like crazy. I'm yeah. glad. I love that you're such a nerd about this shit because I, I am too. Like, I know when certain episodes of, like, The Simpsons aired, yeah. you know? And, like, whenever... Oh, my God. I was... I said something about... I My roommate and I were hanging out, and he's not a Simpsons fan, and he knows that I'm a huge fan of it. And I was talking about, like, Bart's Comet oh, in season six. That's a, that's a good episode. Which is a good episode. I yeah. love... Because I was saying, like, the Homer, like, twiddling... Like, he's like... Eh. So, anyway, we're like, do, 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 do. He's like, well, those idiots are twiddling their thumbs, and they're just doing the exact same thing and not explaining <laughs> what the escape plan is. <laughs> But he was like, he wants to get a guess of when that episode aired and what episode was before it and what episode was after it. And I was I was off by like a month, but I was in the right year. Oh, yeah. Because I was trying to figure out exactly when the Well, let's were. see. It was it was the sixth season. That's season six. So it was in the middle of the season. So I got to guess it was in, I'm going to see if I can guess this right. Yeah. Um, it was in 1995. Yeah. Do you remember? I think it was 90. Yeah, I think it was like 95. 95. I, I, would, I would guess... Oh, um, when do they usually air seasons in the that fall was, and that's, spring? That's what fucked me. Yeah. Was, I, think, I was trying to well, think. Well, I think it would be in the, oh, ooh, I don't know. Uh, spring of 95? Yeah, it was like May. I oh, guess, it was that, yeah, yeah, May. I guess like October, because I was thinking of Bart of Darkness was a summer episode. So I thought they because premiered Because it was in, in like, the summer. Yes, because yeah. I thought it premiered in the middle of the summer. but it, So I just kicked it forward a couple months. But I God, got you're such fucking nerd. I, I know, but I I got the episode before it. I had it. I knew I had it. Yeah. It was a, it was and Maggie makes three. I didn't I, know that because I I knew that because I have the seasons and like looking through like the episode guide in it. I just remember that yeah. those two photos being next to each other. But I couldn't remember what the episode after it was. And I think it was a Stars Birds where they're oh, doing the film is, festival. The critic. The critic. That's spot. an interesting episode because uh, Matt Groening like disowned it. Which um, is funny because there's... It's one of the best, I think. Or, it's, you know, it's up there. Yeah. Well, Unspooled does a thing where um, they they will see if The Simpsons referenced the movie that they're doing that week in terms of seeing, like, its canonized status. <laughs> and a lot of the movies that they've been parodying, like, come from that singular episode in terms of, like, the references. Well, yeah, even yeah. in the title. The story. Oh, yeah, Exactly. Which is, and that is a good episode. Season six and season seven are like, I think season seven, I think is the best. I think in terms of like my top 10, I think that season six and season seven have an equal number of episodes, but I think they're both so good. But I think season seven just has a slight edge in terms of the episodes in them. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. I, I, I'm curious, like, what do you think of, do you watch New Simpsons? No, not no, at all. Neither do I. What, what season did you fall off on? I think I stopped after I started getting the DVDs, which is like season 12. But I did see the movie, of course, and I think the movie's good. And, the movie's like, good. I think the movie yeah. is pretty strong. But it's one of those, I, but yeah, it is still just so indelible to who I am. It's like there are just certain pieces of pop culture that are just, you know, that you just seep into you and you, and you just, you know, it's nostalgia. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot too in terms of like I, I'm working on another 
I've been working on some essays and one that I want to do next is kind of, there's a couple things I want to do. It's, it's funny that we're talking about Capra because I really want to do one about William Wyler's best years of our lives, oh, which yeah. is, which is uh, right after the war, um, three members turning back. I saw it again at the Museum of the Moving Image. I hadn't seen it in like 10 years. Because mm-hmm. again, I saw it, I saw it in, in, I saw it the first time when I was a sophomore in high school. And like, I just didn't, I wasn't ready for that movie originally, I don't think. Because when I saw it again, I was like, this is like one of the best movies I've ever seen. It truly is like, it's so interesting that there are certain movies out there that are like, so of their time, yet also ahead of their time. Like, it could only exist in this time period, but it is so progressive in the way that its storytelling is and its characters. I think that movie's that way, Best Years of Our Lives, and I think The Apartment is that way too, by Billy Wilder. That's a great, great okay. movie. Okay, I haven't seen either of these. The Apartment, The Apartment's a great, it's a great premise. It's Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine and uh, Fred McMurray. I don't know if you've seen Double Indemnity, but that's like the other thing that he would... Yeah, yeah. Fred McMurray is the, is the guy in Double Indemnity. But um, Jack Lemmon just like works in an office in New York and he's like a low-level employee. But what he does like to get in with the execs is that he has this really nice apartment on Central Park, like West. And what he does to get in with the execs, they, he lends them his key so that they can have affairs in his apartment. Oh, wow. And like he gets like favors from it. He starts kind of like to work his way up the ladder. It's like a great movie. I mean, there was this one list on like Reddit that said it was the second best movie of all time. And then it was like Vertigo 1 and Apartment 2. And like both, of, I mean, Apartment is, is very good. I think Billy Wilder is a great director. I love Sunset Boulevard. I love Some Like It Hot. I've been meaning to watch Some Like It Hot for a while. It's been, it's been ages since I've seen it. Yeah. Um, but I bought it when Criterion just released it. Uh, but it is, I mean, The Apartment is great. I think it's definitely worth seeing. When, when, what year was it made? 1960. 1960, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that and Vertigo I, were made around the same time. I think, yeah, because Vertigo's 58. Yeah. And, uh, but Apartment, yeah, I think Apartment is still on Prime, or they might have taken it off. Oh, but cool. it's definitely it's definitely worth seeing. But Best Years of Our Lives, I think, is, is great too. I'm if to... not, I'm sure I can find a, a library yeah. somewhere. No, definitely. <laughs> I I'm going to say this is as a platform here. I think with with artists who are looking to you know research things, it's it's so tough to like encounter art and things like that and to find those things. But I think that like the library is like one of the cr- most crucial research things. And like oh yeah, it's almost like criminal how much you can take from them. Like you can just like rent essentially rent movies for free. Yeah, and like, as long as you return them on As time. long as you return them. But you can also like rip albums off of that. Like that's yeah. insanity. That shouldn't be allowed. And it's like, I feel like someone's just going to crack down on that eventually, but I, I'm going to exploit it for as long as I can. Yeah. I use the library constantly. I think when people, especially when people are like, you know, I want to get this play and I think it's too expensive or this thing here. It's go like, to, go find it at a check library. Check the library. Do because, interlibrary loans. Like, yeah. That is a crucial resource, yeah. I think. And I really think that more people need to... Because I saw a lot of the films, like some of my favorite movies of all time, like from library-owned things. When I was when I was at college, I there was a library right down the street. My room and I would just go and take out like 10 DVDs. So like where did you go to college? I went to college in this small little Massachusetts town called Fitchburg State. Everyone always goes, Pittsburgh? And I'm like, no. But... <laughs> It's a small like state school, but it's one of those things that like I really I went there for film, even though I've been doing theater for years. I, I mean, I've been doing theater since I was like five. I've been doing it for a long time. Oh, um, so you were you ever a tree in a play? Close. I think I was like the wind in some like weird <laughs> like thing. But I remember I remember that one of the biggest things I got was like was like I was in, I was in Scrooge in this local player's house in Worcester. Um, ah, good old Worcester. Yeah, and I was, and I was, and I was cast as the young Ebenezer, um, and it was a really cool moment for me. And I felt like, 
And I didn't understand how, Young like, Scrooge is a fun role. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, I'm talking, like, when he's a kid. Oh, when he's, like, a yeah. little... Not when he gets broken yeah. up with. Yeah, yeah not that, that is not, fun. That's a good... That's a cool Scrooge. Ooh. That's, like, when you see the turn. I got very emotional, actually, speaking of Scrooge, because I was listening to, on my drive down... On my drive here... Uh, not here, but, like, in general. I was yeah. driving around listening to Epic Rap Battles, and there's a great one where it's Scrooge versus Trump. The Trump part's not as funny, but it's, like... It's basically a Christmas Carol in, like, four minutes. Because it's he's getting he's getting visited by the ghosts and each ghost has like their rap and there's like JP Morgan is the is the ghost of Rich Dude's past and then it's Kanye as like the ghost of Rich Dude's present. <laughs> and then it's the usual like scary ghost of Christmas future. But it is like emotional how like it I felt I got very stirred because the story is just so compelling. Yeah, even like all these years yeah. and like all the times I've seen it, it still gets to me. Like I'm like, this yeah. is still a poignant story. And it is like it's still like I mean the the ERB is, is it's funny. It's definitely worth checking out. But it's but it is like there is like a there is like a moment that just really hits me when JP Morgan says he goes, What good is your purse if you're poor in your heart? And it's like Oh, that's like a rough line to hear. Yeah. And it's and it is one of those things that yeah, I think that it's it's great. But oh, but all the way back to nostalgia. That's how I, I feel like I always do this. I get on tangents. I always am like, remember where you came from? <laughs> I know. Back, <laughs> back um, to your roots. But with this but yeah, the thing with nostalgia, I was thinking about that a lot too, because I want to write this I, I just did this five part essay about Bo Burnham's work. And yeah. I've been I've really been trying to pick that apart and I really like doing it. It took me forever. I thought it was gonna be like a fifteen page like you know, like three pages per thing. Like, you know, talk about all the specials in the eighth grade and then in Zach Stone and you're done. And then I was like, it just spiraled out of control in terms of what I was researching. Yeah. So what got you starting to write this? I think what it really was, I really wanted to do essays again. I really liked doing them. And I used to write a lot of criticism when I was younger and, and I, but I got, I just was writing, you know, whatever was coming out and it felt very formulaic. And I really like kind of having the freedom to talk about whatever I wanted. And when Medium became a thing, that was really great. And I and I wrote some essays. I wrote like three. I wrote one about Berbiglia's movies. I wrote about, so Sleepwalk With Me and Don't Think Twice. Yeah. And then I wrote about um, the Tony nominees for the plays in like 2016, which was Oslo, Doll's House 2, Indecent, and Sweat. Mm. Um, which I was like, that we'll never see a lineup like plays that good for a long time. I think all those plays are so vital. I, of course, was rooting for Indecent because I think Indecent is like one of the most beautiful pieces of theater I've ever seen. Um, Oslo won, but Oslo is great. But all of those plays, and I love Doll's House too. I love Lucas Nath a lot, like the Christians and and a public reading of a produced screenplay about the death of Walt Disney and Isaac's Eye. I think he's a phenomenal writer. Um, and I'm even and I'm, I really want to try and catch Hillary and Clinton before it closes in New yeah. York. I've been wanting um, to see that too. I mean, Laurie Metcalf is just a phenomenal, phenomenal actress. I, I really, I never watched Roseanne, so I never really like was clicked into that. But I saw her in Misery. This actually is going to tie back later. I saw her in Misery with Bruce Willis, and she did make that play was awful. Oh, was, so that was a that was just a few years ago. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. like yeah, it was a few years ago, and I saw her in Misery, and then I saw how, her, how was Bruce Willis? Not very good. <laughs> I I read something. I don't know if this is true that he. Had his like lines fed yeah, to him. Yeah, that's that was a yeah. I think he did, but it's like he just, just, just doesn't seem like he wanted to be there. And it's like you know, I love the movie. I love Misery. I think it's a great, great film. It's funny. I was just, oh yeah, that's one of the essays I want to do too. That, James Conn, Kathy Bates. James Conn and Kathy yeah. Bates. But it's directed by Rob Reiner, and this is was just what I was oh yeah, to say. that's so weird. Is that like I think Rob Reiner is like one of the most underappreciated directors ever. Yeah, and I think that I I want to do like a five. You know, part. his career trajectory is really interesting. Well, it's so eclectic, and that's what I want to talk about. And I want to I yeah. want to I, I think after I do the best years. Of our lives thing because I'm going to do that after I've done the both thing I'm going to do best of lives, but then I'm going to do Rob Reiner and I've and I've been I'm I picked the five probably like the big five of his of his work 
Mm. And the only one I don't quite have an angle on yet is is Spinal Tap and When Harry Met Sally. But I have oh, yeah, yeah. I have three I think I have three really good things for misery. Stand by me, which is like another one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh oh my god, I always blank on what the last Oh, Princess Bride. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and to me, it's like, yeah, with, with Misery, I think it's great. But I was going to say with Nostalgia, too, is like with Stand By Me, I was thinking about this a lot because Stand By Me is like, it seems like the ultimate nostalgia picture, but like Nostalgia is the enemy in Stand By Me. That is like the whole point of that movie. Yeah, yeah. And I never realized it until I was like a few weeks ago, I was sitting in, sometimes if I'm sitting in a theater and I see a bad movie, my mind will just go backwards and I'll just start to think about other things. And I, it just suddenly clicked and I was like, oh my God, I have it. I have, like, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, how do I talk about Rob Reiner in this year and this year? And I just had it instantly. Yeah. And because I, I had it, I, Princess Bride was the first one that came to me in terms of what I thought I should talk about. Because I was talking about how, like, I never grew up with that movie, so I don't have as much of an attachment as other people. Well, yeah, do. I gotta be, I actually still haven't seen it. And I always get yeah. called Wesley. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I get the reference, but, yeah. like, I, do, I don't. <laughs> it's just, it's a good, I think it's a good movie, it. but it's very much, you know, it is one of those, I feel like, nostalgia pictures where people really, really attach to it. But, like, yeah. What I realized, I'm like, I think part of the reason why people really like it is that it is a pure celebration of the art of storytelling. It's it's like it's like there's so many layers of with that movie of like yeah. it is a movie being told like of a of a fairy tale that is being read to, like or that is orally being told through a book. Like it's like layer on layer on layer on layer of these different of this evolution of storytelling in a single microcosm of a movie. I also think the movie's very funny. I mean, Wood yeah. was a phenomenal writer. But, yeah, I think with... And it's there's just certain things that come to you, I think, in that moment. And there's certain things, to get back to that point, too, of, like, there's certain pieces of art that come to you at the right time. And the biggest HBO show that I was going to say is Crashing, the Pete Holmes Oh, show. yeah, the Pete Holmes. I, I watched the pilot of that. Yeah. And I really liked it. I thought it was good, and I just kind of, like, I got buried under everything else. But then I rewatched it after, like, a couple months ago, and it fucked me up because I was like yeah. I thought it was just going to be this inane fun thing like oh Pete's talking about this whole thing but this his nature especially as the seasons go on like well because it's like I you know I've been dabbling in comedy in yeah. Chicago a little bit and I like I feel for him when he's like on the stage and yeah. like stuff's not working that well or yeah that struggle yeah it's, it's, it's one of the hardest things but also the fact that like him dealing with like him showing the dark sides of himself like that he's that he can be very jealous that he can be very like envious when other people that he doesn't think should be successful are successful. And that, and that's definitely a huge, I definitely feel that myself and I hate that about myself, about other people sometimes, but there is that, that idea that you kind of just have to let that go and kind of stay in your lane. I think that the biggest thing I've learned from, from this year so far is like, and this is a wide variety of different ways that kind of converge on this one point is the yeah. idea that like things can, you know, work you know you can work as hard as you can like you do the best that you can and you're really kind of going for it and you do the best that you can do based on what you can do at that moment and it still doesn't work out yeah that that is one of the hardest lessons i've learned is yeah. that like sometimes luck isn't going to be on your side no so if if you do something that if you work as hard as you possibly can um and it shouldn't be for to obtain something. Yeah. It should be for your own desire. Yeah. That's kind of what I've learned and in we the picked, past few years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we picked a rough fucking business to oh, yeah. try and find meaning in. But I also just, but I just, you know, with crashing and everything like that, and then also rewatching Zach Stone is going to be famous, Bo Burnham's show that he did like 
almost six years ago. I think it's like one of the best, most underrated, like one season wonders. Wait, ever. what is it? I don't even think I've heard of this. So it's called Zack Snyder's going to be famous. And the premise of the show is that it's, it's like a mockumentary style, but like every like the, the subject is in on it where like Bo Burnham is playing this high schooler and all of his friends are going to college and he's not. So he decided to spend all of his money that he saved to hire a camera crew to follow him around <laughs> so that he can, and and each episode is a different attempt to him to be famous. Like at one point he tries to be a recording artist. He tries to get a makeover. <laughs> um, he does like a bachelor style reality sh- dating show called The Zatchelor. Like oh it my is, God. it's it's brilliant. And nobody it was on MTV, which is exactly what he wanted to do. And it never was really advertised properly. But I did see it when it aired because I was a, I'm a huge fan of of his work. Yeah. And like he's brilliant, yeah, I think he's phenomenal, and I and and especially diving into his own beliefs and kind of seeing, because the whole approach of the articles that I've been writing about him have been about kind of how I think he is like the definitive artist I think for our generation. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I latched into when yeah. I was reading it. Like the um, he he's kind of the spokesperson for millennials, right? In a way. And he's telling us to not. Because some people, you know, are kind of going into the the toxicity of technology and what is under our culture, but at the same time, he's trying to say like, there's more to this than the, than you know iPhones and and the Facebook and social media. There's more to that. And he was talking about in that in a you made it weird uh, interview. We were talking about the whole like beauty the beautification like feature on like Snapchat and iPhones and yeah and and Burnham specifically said and I quote goes they're gonna fuck up kids. Yeah, because totally. t- because Tim Cook's not going to come up and say like, "Hey, kids, make sure you preserve your sense of self." Like that's not going to happen. And I think well, and a- he talked about a, K- a Katy Perry song too. Do you do you yeah. remember this? Well, he, the well, he sh- yeah, it's in it's in Make Happy. It's the yeah, song, the song that's right. Kill, the song's called "Kill Yourself." Where he's saying, you know, if you book a therapy session, talk about your depression, and let a professional hear it. But if you search for moral wisdom in Katy Perry's lyrics, kill yourself. Because he's not. <laughs> and then of course after he says, "Don't kill yourself." But what he's saying is, you know, it's all about how you can't, he always refers to it as like a parasocial relationship where he says, you know, it's, it's very one-sided, but ultimately destructive because he says that to an audience member and he goes, but please keep buying my shit forever. It's that whole idea of like that, that we kind of latch ourselves onto as fans, we latch ourselves kind of onto those people. Like we feel we like put we put them on pedestal. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Burnham's like, don't do that. He says, I'm in the service industry. I'm just overpaid. Because if I stop entertaining you, throw me to the curb. Like, don't stick with me through thick and through thin. Yeah. Like, that is totally antithetical to what I, I'm trying to say here. You need to think for yourselves. And I think that's what's just so great about his work. And especially, I mean, eighth grade, I thought was really, really good. I think it's a yeah. very, very good movie. And Elsie Fisher's phenomenal. And especially picking apart that movie again after seeing it like a year ago, I thought was great. Um, but yeah, it's just like that whole... The whole notion of like artists and what it means and like and you know trying to break into it and trying to figure it out, but crashing uh, happened to me that way, and then Zach rewatching Zach Stone for that kind of got me in that in that fashion, and then I just watched that movie, The Souvenir, okay, um, which is the latest H twenty four offering, um, and it's Joanna Hogg whose work I now need to delve into. Thankfully, all of her other movies are on Criterion Channel, which of course I am a subscriber to because I'm a massive film nerd, um. And it's and it's like I saw it in Omaha because I hadn't seen a movie in like a week. And Alexander Payne has like this theater in Omaha that is really. Oh yeah, nice. I think I saw your Instagram. Yeah, film, yeah, film streams. It's really oh, that's nice. So cool. It's really cool. It's a beautiful space. 
it is like a stadium theater, like like if you were going to see like Endgame, but for like this art house thing. And that like oh, warned that is, me. That's amazing that that exists. I had such faith in humanity, yeah. but like for there was a brief like a, moment. Yeah, for a brief moment. And like, <laughs> and I was like, I was very curious about because I've been seeing previews for it in New York and like all that. And I was like, you know, I was like, this is, I'm like, I'm really curious about this movie. I don't know if I'm going to love it or not, but it's yeah. like, it's a, it is a, it's a good movie. I think it's worth seeing. But it's very much like it's very autobiographical. It's very much Joanna Hawk kind of talking about her own experiences. And I think that's fine. I think it's totally fine. That's kind of the whole point of the movie. And it's very, it's very slow. It's very paced in a very specific way. And it's very like, you know, I, I understand people don't like it, but I realized after a while I kind of clicked into it and I was like, oh, this is a movie more to be felt and experienced than it is to be kind of like understood. There, okay. there are just moments that just feel very just kind of like it's like snapshots it feels very elegiac in its way too in terms of like it is this looking back in this way and you don't and it doesn't I think when you it's, it is like memory yeah where like you don't see things you don't look back at something in a linear fashion it is like a snapshot of this or this moment yeah important moments year. that you latched on to exactly like you, you don't remember unless it was like a pivotal moment like yeah, you don't exactly. remember like walking to the, the corner of the street like. right you just you just you know cut to the good bits or the, or the most interesting bits yeah and i think that there's a lot of moments too where it's her in film school and, and she's trying to make this movie about um a little boy in like a docking community which is not her life and her film professors i would say rightfully so even though they're kind of presented as being like not always 100 correct but being like why are you talking about this thing that is not you it's not who you are and I think that especially when we're young, especially when we were in film school, we're trying to figure ourselves like our voice. I was just talking about this earlier with somebody. Um, you are so attached to trying to break away. You're trying to combat against who you are. It's happens yeah, to me a lot all the time. Definitely. Too, where it's like, I know I get very nervous about writing about what I know because I don't find what I know in the life that I live very interesting. But other people would. And that's hard to, uh, yeah. that's hard to see, you know. It's like, I feel like I've lived a fairly uncontroversial life. I think the most controversial thing I've ever done is decide to be a writer or, or in a, like to be an artist in, in some capacity. Yeah, Because yeah. like, I lived a very, you know, small suburban Massachusetts life. Yeah. So I, you grew up in Shrewsbury. Yeah. Shrewsbury, right, which yeah. is right outside of Worcester, which yeah. is where we, which where, is where, where we, we met. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. Oh, um, please. I, yeah. I've been, I, I've been surprised saving. we haven't got there yet, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So we, we met, uh, when I've had a couple people on who went with me to Worcester, but yes. you, you were a Massachusetts native. I'm a native. You are a native, not were, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we, uh, we were in the Worcester Shakespeare company yeah. together and, and that's we only, how we met. And we only did one show. We only did Winter's Tale. Winter's Tale. Yeah. And you not, weren't in Mary Wives. Not Mary Wives. I wish yeah. I was in Mary Wives. That show was so That show fun. was so fun. You didn't get to do the outdoor Theater. I know. Well, I did the next year. I did. did I did the, the year. year I did yeah. the year later, and I did both shows that year. When's the last time you acted with them? That was that. That was it. That That's was also probably time. like the last time I acted. Period. Oh wow! I know. What got you away from acting? Well, I just it's I I never really want. It's so funny because we were talking about this in the pre-interview too. Where it's like mm -hmm. you know I love doing it a lot, but I never. I just I am very afraid, and I'm very fearful about what it really takes to do it. And I admire you and everyone and everyone else who's really Well, honestly, to it. like I've taken a lot of breaks. I always yeah. like, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where yeah. I, I'm like, I want to create my own stuff also because I don't want to be beholden to like somebody giving me an email. Like you can act now. You know, yeah, exactly. like, I hate that. I yeah. hate that feeling. Well, that's like, the thing is like, you have to kind of create your own things. You have to do yeah. that. It's like, no one's going to ask you to do this thing. You have to kind of keep going. And that's a tough thing. That's why I like being, I like, 
I like telling stories. I like being a creator. I like doing that sort of thing. I like directing. I like writing. I like working with, working with actors. It's part of me. It's kind of like a kid stays in the picture sort of thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever read that book or seen that documentary. It's about Robert Evans who produced Godfather. Oh, it's such a great book. And it's a great documentary too. What is it called? It's called The Kid Stays in the Picture. Oh, okay. And Robert Evans produced like The Godfather. He produced uh, Rosemary's Baby. He produced That's right. Love Story. Yeah. He's like a big head of Paramount. He basically turned Paramount around. And he's a fascinating figure. But he talks about he used to be an actor and he was in The Sun Also Rises and he was a bullfighter. And there was nervous. Like everyone wanted him off of the picture. Like Tyrone Power and all these people. Well, you know, you know what's interesting to kind of go back to our conversation about Better Call Saul earlier. Yeah. I think Bob Odenkirk based his um, uh, kind of cadence as Saul off of Robert Evans. Yeah, which yeah. makes a lot of sense because because yeah. they've done because in, in Mr. Show there's a sketch where he where he's basically being Robert Evans, <laughs> but like. Um, yeah, so it's like the day of like the shoot, and he's practicing. Daryl Zanuck, who is the producer of Twenty Century Fox at the time, is is in the is in the crowd. It's this big ring, and all the actors are there. And Evans is sweating. He's like just he's been practicing bullfighting like really bad, like a lot, and like really making sure he doesn't get fired. And he's really sweating it out. And he does the scene, and they do the thing, and Zanuck gets up, and he says, "All five foot two of him," and he gets up and he grabs a bullhorn. And he says, "The kid stays in the picture, and anyone who doesn't like it can quit." <laughs> and he puts it down he walked out and he goes that's when I realized that, like I didn't want to be the guy who sweating whether I was going to be fired I want to be the guy who said the kid stays in the picture and like oh that's so awesome I had that moment similarly when I was in college we were doing Much Ado About Nothing and I was cast as like this part and we were supposed to be off book by the first rehearsal we were doing a read through oh my god that is I know it's awful how old were you? I was, oh God, that was my junior year. So I was what, like 22, I think, 22, 23. That's a lot to ask of college students. It's true. It was Even tough. professional actors. No, but like, yeah. But I, and it's Shakespeare too. It's just so tough. And I have like, this, I, I was playing the friar at the time. I eventually became Leonardo. I was promoted essentially. But like, <laughs> but like I had a little. Someone, was someone not able to get off book? Yeah. <laughs> and I felt really bad. I hate when that happens because I felt, but yeah, it was, um, but I was like sweating because I was just calling for line and trying not to, you know, go oh. to my script and like all this stuff. And like I'm looking over at my professor who's the director and and the assistant director. And they're all just kind of like, you know, having a chummy old time. And I was like that. I'm like, that was my kid's face in the picture moment. I was like, I don't want to be the guy who's sweating on stage. I want to be the guy who's like kind of making everybody else sweat. There's that part of me. There's, there's that kind of control. But then, of course, I also just love creating. Well, yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I always feel if I'm creating something, I always want to provide like a nurturing environment yeah. versus like, a, you know, making my actor sweat. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I try to be very, I try yeah. to be very, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out directing is the thing I, I have done the least. And it's yeah. like, I think it's the thing I've done the most. It's, it's the thing I've worked on the most. I've worked on it for decades. And I just kind of dropped it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've been working on writing for a while. We're gonna get on that. Checking over Wes. Yeah, um, right after this. But um, but with directing, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. And I really mix, and I, I and I shot a movie last year, and it you know it's not perfect. I will say that. But it's you know it when is, is it? I mean, when I know it exactly. It's and I'm also biased because I have a strong distaste for myself. Uh, yeah. But, but it's one of those things that yeah, I, I it made me want to do more and make more mistakes to learn from those mistakes and then make new mistakes and to build myself up. And I've been I'm I'm really aching to direct some more things like soon, and I, it's just a matter of finding the right script too because I I've written a bunch of features but I also need to like write more shorts. I actually wrote a short before I went off on this trip that I really want to go back to, especially everything that's been that I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, and everything that I've experienced. But back to Mr. Shakespeare, I will say. It's, 
it was so much fun to me because it was the first time I ever had like an outside like professional acting that wasn't related to school. And it felt like and that so, was my experience. Yeah, too, it felt yeah. so cool. And it felt so cool. I wish that I wish I double I want to get to know all of you better. Yeah. And like Especially when you're telling the story about how you saw Boyhood by yourself, I felt so bad because I'm like, I totally would have done that. I totally would have gone with you if that had been, if that had been the case. Oh yeah. If I had known, <laughs> I would have gone with you 100. I would have given you a place to stay. Oh man, like, I should have. You know, I should have reached out, but I was like, it was a night. Well, we didn't. Well, we did. Yeah, we didn't really know each other very yeah, well. And yeah. it's like, it's, I think it's supposed to be really talked like ever. And it's like, it's one of those things that like I really want to get because I also, you know, it's funny. I don't. I was trying to debate if I should tell this story or not, and, but I had like, because she's probably going to hear this, but. Uh, I had the biggest fucking crush on Janice, like, like you wouldn't believe, like it was yeah. absurd. I, I, I'm pretty sure she knew about it too. Well, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a subtle person, no. <laughs> but no, absolutely. I mean, it's very, I honestly, Janice, are you listening? Sorry, this is, but it's like, it's really hard not to fall in love with with Janice. It's like really, I mean, she's just so dynamic. I find her, so, I find her just so affable. And yeah. So oh, she's great. And um. But yeah, I had the, but we were playing like romantic opposite. Like we were playing. Well, yeah, and it's it's hard to separate that. No, it's true. And I'm I'm a hopeless romantic. I remember we were talking about that too. I found how you met Claire. That that to me, that story, I was like blown away. (laughs) I was like, that's like movie shit. I can't. It was insane. I was like, I couldn't believe it was. uh, I couldn't believe that. I was like, holy fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. And and it it stirred me because I was like, I'm so I'm all about kind of like I am like the pursuit I'm, I'm kind of about the chase in that way yeah extremely flirtatious almost to my own detriment it's it's a problem but but yeah i i was but we were doing this scene and it was like you know we were in the middle of the run and she was like <laughs> she was like hey i never brought this up because i had thought about it. i'm like how come her characters don't kiss but then she says like hey how come we never like kissed and in my head, I'm trying to like really keep it cool, but I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, but on the other, I'm like, yeah, why haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and she's like, yeah, well, we should, uh, you know, maybe we could, you know, we tried to think of something real quick, and like we thought it, we figured it out, we tried it, we tried it out, we tried it after a couple of shows, and then it was like the last night, we're like, okay, I think we got it, and like, I'm going for it, I'm like about to do it, and then she turns her head away, and I kind of like peck her on the cheek. And then I'm like, oh man, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like so thrown off from that. And then afterwards, I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, what happened? She goes, I'm so sorry. I thought I, I was gonna do like this whole thing, like I was gonna like look away and then actually come back and then like do it. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Oh no, that's. <laughs> but it was yeah. Was that during a show? It was during a show. It was oh during a performance. So I was like, did not know. Do you what, remember yeah. that one performance we had where, or I can't remember if it was Mary Wives. I think or, where where Bill took a while to show up. Or was or that, yeah, that that yeah. one. That was Mary Wives. I remember you and Reef were talking about. Or no, that, that was Winter's Tale. Actually, oh, was it Winter's Tale? Yeah, it was Winter's Tale. Oh man. Um, that was, that was great. Listen, I'm also barely in that show. I'm basically in the show for like two seconds and then it's the end. Yeah. But it's, yeah, but it, oh God. Well, there was, was one show where, um, I think it was Mary Wives, so you might have not been here, but, um, cause we had to do it indoors cause it was raining and yeah. there were like six people in the audience and we still did the show. Well, that is the coolest thing I think about that. That's, I mean, when, yeah. I, I, when I was in college, we went to the fringe, we went to Edinburgh and we did that and it was like, you know, very small crowds, but it didn't matter. I thought that was just a... There's just something so like bohemian about it that I love. Yeah, it's cool because it's like an intimate, more yeah. intimate show. I think I got swept up in the romanticism of the whole thing uh, to, you know, 
And also, in in fairness, twenty fourteen was a really crazy year as well. It was like yeah. you know, I I later on after like a few weeks later after Wizard Shakespeare ended that season, I broke up with my girlfriend of five years with my first one uh, ever, and then all of a sudden I was just like in a total tizzy because I was about to you know go on internship. It was my last semester of college, and like, yeah. And I thought that that was like, it was a great summer. I always look on it with such fondness too. And like, you know. Yeah. Me too. It was, it, it was so forming for yeah, me. Yeah, I loved you know? it. Yeah, yeah, for me too. And it was great meeting you all and everything. And also kind of like having kind of like um, a summer kind of flirtatious thing without like the consequences of yeah. that. And it's like, and you know, I feel, it's so funny because I, I really did go overboard because I gave her like this entire, I record, I gave her, I burnt her CDs for the drive back of this entire like radio series called cabin pressure that I still listen to. I recommend highly to anybody listening. Yeah. But, and I remember I had everything but the finale cause the finale hadn't aired yet. And I actually still have, I, when the finale finally did air, I burnt it onto a CD and I still have it, but I didn't fucking bring it with me. But oh no. But it, I feel like it doesn't even matter. Cause I don't even know if she even really listened to it at all or not. And she probably was like, that's real cute. And probably just like forgot about it. Maybe I do remember did. her showing it to us. Yeah, yeah. I put, I put, I put uh, some good effort in that. I've actually made another set like that since. That is that I think was like a, a good kind of improvement. But I was very proud of that. Um, and then I also made like a mix. I think for you all just for the drive. Yeah, in yeah. General. I I can't remember what was on it, but I know we listened to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes me feel good because yeah, I was, was really worried. Really I'm like, they're probably just because we be had like, been listening to the same fucking CDs the whole time. That's why I was like, I should just give you guys just something different. Even if I it's remember, like, uh, it was uh, a new uh, one of my guilty pleasures is Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And I got like his new album and everybody hated me because I was just playing it like over and over again. Cause it was the only thing I had in my car. Really. Yeah. And everyone's like, I'm so sick of this shit. But it's so, yeah, it's so crazy where it's just like, yeah, there are, I was getting to the point even here. I was, I really tried to book cause I've been driving across the country and I've been trying to bulk up on stuff and I bulked up on audiobooks. Yeah. And there was a point, especially when I was driving from, from Utah to Denver, I was listening to Lolita. Oh um, Yeah. And it was Jeremy Irons reading it, which is like the he's like he is Humbert Humbert. I fuck yeah. Scar like that is the role that he is like he is the embodiment of that character, and it's such a I mean that's a beautiful book. It's like one of the best books ever written, one hundred percent. It's so good, and it's so crazy because it is so morally questionable. You just yeah. Kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this exactly. But it's it's so beautifully composed. It's so beautifully written. But it did it did kind of start to get to me far into the drive. And like you just gotta switch it up, yeah. you know. And it's hard. to... Well, I've been switching yeah. like fiction, nonfiction, fiction, nonfiction. I I'm gonna have to pause for a minute because yeah. I really gotta pee. No, no, no totally. <laughs> so. Be back to New York. So I already was like, I'm like, maybe I can find more places in like the Midwest to see if they have anything, if they have any cheer wine. And then like, I am like on the last aisle in the store, and I see <laughs> this, and I like panicked. I straight up haven't seen this in a decade. I'm not even kidding. That's not wow. an exaggeration. I haven't seen it in years. I thought they didn't make it anymore. And I and I grabbed three, four packs of it. Yeah, for those of you that can't see, we're drinking IBC Cherry Limeade right now. Well, just certain things like when you're young that like you are attached to and you don't think they, they discontinued, then you see it somewhere and you just like panic and you and you bulk buy. You know, that's something I love. It's like old like glass bottles of soda. I know. It's it feels it feels so cool. You yeah, get, like you get the Mexican Coke sometimes. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, oh, that's the best stuff. But I was gonna say another another one of this like cause it is it is like a nostalgia thing, but also it is like like Waffle Crisp is the same way. I don't know if you remember that cereal. That was a very like late nineties, early two thousands cereal. Oh yeah, I thought and they the Oreo O's are that's, back. Oh too. my god, the Oreo O's. But I I 
Waffle Crisp is like my favorite cereal, like legit. And I and I I thought they didn't make it anymore. And then when I moved to New York, I was in it like my grocery store, and they had it, and I freaked out. I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, they still. Make well, this. I think you know this brings up a larger discussion. Is like I think our generation is a little bit obsessed with nostalgia. No, that's definitely true. I think, well, which I don't think is a bad thing necessarily. No, I don't think so either. But it's just more of an observation. I think that yeah, I think our generation has a lot of things that are kind of been bred into us. I think because also you know we were raised by boomer parents who are very, also I think very nostalgic in terms of like the time period that they grew up in and, and you yeah. know, the sixties and seventies and like, but well they won't let things die. Either. Yeah. Well there is yeah exactly. <laughs> Unlike our economy. Boom. Yeah. Um, but it is one of those things where we have kind of been bred, I think, to romanticize a lot of things. Yeah. It's like we were just talking about, you know, with, with Mr. Shakespeare. Of course, I actually think that was a great experience in general. I'm not saying that that was bad. But it is one of those things, like, you just, there are those things that you attach to and you kind of just forget about, the, you try to block out the bad things in your memory sometimes. Like, that was a great summer because of Worcester Shakespeare, but it was also a bad summer because, yeah, our relationship completely fell apart after yeah. years of dedication to it. Yeah, but you try to remember the good in it. Yeah, and then even then, I don't even re- I don't even really remember the I don't even really think about the bad things about those relationships anymore. I think about the good things, even though I've certainly had you know some fairly explosive. Well, memories. yeah, and and I think it's because uh, I I ended a like three year relationship um, probably about the time I moved to Chicago. Yeah, and. Something I learned from that was like, at first I'm like, oh, sh- she did everything wrong. I did nothing wrong, you know? And then yeah. then you kind of, you're looking back and you're like, eh, I did a few things wrong. Yeah. Like, you know, we both did things It's wrong. like, I'm the problem. Well, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know. Well, not even necessarily I'm the problem, but it was like on both sides. Yeah, there were it's, it's a mutual thing. Yeah. Like there's, there's it's, it's a two-way street. I think that like. It's just there were some, there were some inca- uh, incompatibility and you. Yeah, something's from just, it. again, something just don't work out. Sometimes yeah. just things don't, don't go the way that they should. I know that you're a huge BoJack fan. Oh yeah, I love I that think show. that I think that you were trying to tell me, you know, what character that you you were the most <laughs> like. That's another one I almost wrote down in my notes. Of course, you got the Princess Carolyn poster over here, <laughs> which which you got to get your shit together. Yeah. That always uh, inspires me, honestly. Yeah. But it's it's to me. I mean, I I fought against it because my my second my second girlfriend was was a huge fan and actually kind of got me back into the show because I didn't really care for the first season. And then season the first two, season I, is a little bit all. And then the season place. two, I was like, okay. And then season three, I was like, this is the best show I've ever seen. <laughs> I know it's really a it it steps yeah. up its game for sure. Um, but you know, she had always related to BoJack and who she and who she was, and she related to BoJack. Yes, you know, I always have uh, not not to um, slam her or anything, but I always do have a problem with people who relate to BoJack because I'm like, you. Sh- I don't really think that. Yeah. I, I don't really feel sorry for it's him. It's self-destructive, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I can character. understand it. I can empathize with it a little bit, but also I'm like, just, like, you always talk about be yeah. a better person. Just do it, you know? Yeah. It's like what Todd says at the end of that season three yeah. episode. Fuck, He's man. like, what else it's you. It's not any of the drugs that you do. Yeah, it's, it's not any of that. It's who you are. It's who you are. Yeah, that's a, that's a fucking. I, I know because but, I think that's the point they're trying to make yeah. with that character is that he's he, he his only problem is yeah. himself. You can't be begging for people to help you if you can't even help yourself. Yeah, and it's one of those things that it's one of the best things about that show. And I think that there are elements of Bojack that I relate to certainly. Like I think yeah. that season four, stupid piece of shit, is like 
I can I can definitely that is like yeah. exactly what it's like in my own brain everywhere I go second guessing and doubting and like being like everyone doesn't like me and like all this sort of thing me too happens yeah. to me constantly actually Took and Birdie's been doing really, really well in terms of showing that showcasing that side of anxiety too oh I saw the first episode yeah. of that I love you should, it you know yeah. it's great I, I think to, it took me a while to kind of ease into too but I think it's it's really inventive it's really fun it's very different from Bojack which I think is great and well, I, I love it's kind of like a stream of consciousness I, yes. I love that well it's yeah. way more zany yeah as opposed to Bojack which is somehow with talking animals more grounded <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think that she would say to me who I, who I was, even though I did relate to elements of Bojack, but I did actually, especially after watching the last couple of seasons have really, I finally accepted it because it's the person that you don't want to be other than Bojack is like, she's like, no, you're Mr. Peanut Butter. I, yeah. and I was like, and I was like, no. I love Paul Tompkins. I've loved Paul of Tompkins for oh God, years. Like, I think do you watch You're the Worst? I watched the first three seasons. He's in the last season oh, of it. And I gotta get back he on. plays himself in it. He's amazing. The second season of You're the Worst fucked me up too. That was a great, great show in, yeah. that, in that instance. I still think it's I still think it's very good, but I, I haven't gotten back onto it yet. I need to finish it now that it's over. Yeah. But I love it. I will that say show. In, in the last two seasons of You're the Worst, it uh, it faltered a little yeah. bit, I think. I actually, but... I sorry, I forgot. I got to season four. So yeah, it faltered four. a little bit in yeah. season four. But it does it does find its way back on track in season five, I think. But, but yeah, I was I finally realized, especially after watching the last couple of seasons, especially when he realizes that he's making he's just dating the same women at the same stage of state of their lives, the Halloween parties episode. Oh yeah. And it's oh. like it's the same th- it's like it's just the same thing over and over and he's making the same mistakes. And it's and I was like, fuck, that is like the the way that he is just so cheerful, but also so ignorant of of the people around him sometimes, and especially how he's treating his partners. Yeah. Something that I am very I try to be very cognizant of. I try to be very I try to I try to try and, you know, fix. And it's so tough because sometimes I just do things subconsciously that I, and then afterwards I'll just beat myself up about it. I'm like, oh, she probably thought this or that, or I should have done this or or thought this way. It's really hard, I think, to to do that. And I deal with that constantly of just trying to sort out what it's my it's my biggest thing, especially been, and of course, just saying that having having been recently single, and thinking about that now. Yeah, um, I mean that's what this whole road trip is about, right? It's part of it. I think yeah. that's that's part of it. It's also you know, career stuff and 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 job and things like that. And really, what I want to do and and what I want to be. I think one of the biggest things that I've I've been having issues with and trying to figure out is that like, when I moved to New York, I really tried to hit the ground running, and I really tried to, and we'll talk about this in the writing thing too. Yeah. Um, about how I just kind of kept going and going and going and trying to just be as good as I could to be as good as people that I really respected that I know, not even just the people that like I, you know, like Edgar Wright or, or uh, Linklater or any of those people. And like, but people that are like my friends, like one of my roommates, I think is, I think is a really, really good writer. He, he has a tough time getting things done in terms of finishing things. When he does finish them, I think they're like they're brilliant pieces of work, and it's like I can't even compare to that naturally. Yeah. I need to I need to work on my crafting, to work on my on my process in order to do that, and just to keep churning things out. And it got to the point that like I've just become so obsessed with the concept of trying to to make it and to and to do things in a way that is not healthy. I think in a, in a way that's not. That it became about competition and trying to one up people and trying to be the oh one that's who is, the, yeah that's a bad place to a, be as I've a, been there a lot yeah yeah as opposed tough. to just because I felt like I was writing things to try and impress a certain group of people as opposed to just writing something that is that is true to me that's meaningful to you yeah, yeah. and and that and that is interesting to me 
and and just exploring those things and i kind of lost sight of that i got very blinded by well that. yeah i think and i've done this too is like you put the pressure on yourself like to make something interesting it has to grab the audience's attention but right. like well if you let it be something that you're interested in i think that you know someone out there is going to find it interesting yeah. which i think is the great um it, it's a great thing about um kind of how saturated the industry is now yeah, is that you true. can find these little niches of like no absolutely people I, who would dig your stuff but like, it, it is like that thing of like again there is this whole it's like what i was saying before about the souvenir where she said you know why would you do anything against uh, that's not about who you are and like it really yeah. represents who you are and of course you can do that very liberally you don't have to have everything be autobiographical i think you know write what you know as stephen king maxim is like you know use it in the loosest terms possible and kind of that same roommate and I talked about, he goes, you, everyone's always kind of just making the same movie again and again. And everyone's kind of telling the same story of like, it's just a different aspect of a certain thing. Yeah. Whether that's it's a good like, way to put it. Whether it's like, you know, regret or loss or, or euphoria or even like just all these different things. Everyone's kind of making the same. Thing. I mean, the reason we go back to it is because it's a different person making yeah. it each time or it's a yeah. different version of that story. But I, and even if things are specific, that is what makes it easier for people to watch. Because, like, look at how many... I was actually literally, as we were on our, on our little break, I, I actually was texting somebody. I was talking about the souvenir because there's someone who works... I know who works at A24. And I said, have you seen it? Because I, I didn't know anyone else who had seen it yet. Oh, yeah. I was like, what do you think? But we were talking about, you know, the, the whole idea of, of just the honesty in it. And it's like, look at how many coming-of-age movies come out, like, every year. Oh, yeah. But then all of them are great, I think. Yeah, like, I mean, I I can't really think of a coming of age like, movie I don't like. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, they all kind of fit through the same beats, but they all work for a reason. Like I mean, you know, like Lady we, Bird, we like, all can relate to it. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, yeah, like you know, even though like yeah, maybe we didn't grow up in Sacramento, like Lady Bird, like Greta Gerwig and Lady Bird, mm-hmm. or maybe we, you know, maybe we're not, we're not, we're not Gen Z, like Elsie Fisher and in, in, uh, and Kayla in eighth grade, and yeah, or the the two, the the two girls in Booksmart. Which I don't know if you've seen that yet. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I, Claire, Claire saw it and she loved oh, it. Oh, you got it. It's um, phenomenal. I think yeah. I would, it's, it's just great how like it feels to me like I would say it's quietly revolutionary, but there's nothing quiet about it. I think it's, I think it's just so well done. I think Olivia Wilde did a phenomenal job. Yeah. And the, t- and, uh, the two leads are, are great. It's probably the best movie I've seen this year so far. Oh, that's, I'm so excited to um, see it. It's really, really good. It's definitely worth watching. But yeah, it's but I got to that point of yeah, of of just wanting to one up people and like try to be the best as opposed to just doing what I wanted to do. And it and it, and I, I just became so obsessed with work. A friend of mine asked me, you know, what do you do like that's not that's not related to your ju- to entertainment or to or to what you want to oh, be yeah. to your career? And I didn't have an answer. I had no answer. I have no hobbies other than other than what I than what I do. Yeah, and because like I go to work, you know, I go to work, do that whole thing, come back, like we'll maybe write something or, or watch something that's tangentially tied to what I do. What you do? The yeah. Only that, the only thing that's not that is probably working out, but honestly, that's out of a huge hatred for my own body. Like, oh my god, that's like I can I can relate to that. Yeah. Like. It's, um, you almost feel like, cause if you, I don't know, I've had this too, where I, I luckily have gotten to a new place with this, like working yeah. out. Like I used to, I remember when I used to run, I would look, look at my body, like in the reflection yeah. to make sure I wasn't like, 
Um, yeah, exactly. Didn't look like fat or anything. I will say I because I finally I haven't worked out like at all on the road except this morning. I went to a, a really nice gym, but it was just so funny. I think the coolest thing about going to because I go to a gym now. I go, but I do like I I always worked out from home. I like am all aboard the Beachbody Express, like P ninety X, like all oh, of those same all I, those things. I, I, I can't afford a gym, <laughs> to be honest. No, you know? the only reason I go to, I mean, I do like a plan of fitness, like a $10 a month, just so I can work out there, you know, just because I can't work out when, by the time I get home, you know, yeah. commuting back and everything. So I just do it on my lunch break. And it's cool to go to the gym because it's kind of humbling in the way that like, we're all just kind of like in the locker room, like all is like, you know, fucking saggy and, and you know, we're, yeah. all, we're all don't like ourselves and we're all kind of like naked. We're all scoping. It actually was a real lesson in body positivity, at least a little oh, bit. Oh, that's Not great. in the way that like, at least I don't, not in the way of like, at least I don't like these people, but it's the idea like nobody cares. Yeah. And they're was, still here doing yeah, it. Yeah. They're know? just doing yeah. it. We're here and we're, and we're here. And I like. I really like working out a lot. It, it does yeah. give me that well, joy yeah. a little bit. What but. I was going to say is I finally got to the place where I like working out because it makes me feel good, not yeah. because I'm trying to um, impress anybody or like yeah. be you know in better shape. Yeah. Obviously, that's a great perk like to working out is yeah. that you get in better shape, but that's not like the reason I'm doing yeah. it. Though that is partly one of the reasons why I went into it because I'm like, I'm just like, ah, oh, you look like such a fat fuck. It's what I feel like every day. And it's just like, it is well, what you it don't. is. Just well, like, thank you. Yeah. Well, I always say that I wear a lot of deceptive clothes, um, so people don't even tell. But uh, well, I was gonna say I just did my first. I actually finished my first program ever, like in order, like the way that you should. Like at the beginning of January, I finished P ninety X three. Like as because I always used to just kind of like pick and choose. Oh yeah. But this time I was like, no, I'm gonna do it like the way that you should, and it worked out pretty well. I I can thankfully I'm still fairly young enough that I can cut weight fairly well. I mean, yeah. Um, but I'm still, I'm still not where I need to be. There was a point where I was doing really well when I moved to New York because I had nothing else to do because I couldn't afford to go anywhere. Yeah. Except I could just work out at home. And I lost, like, I was, like, at 147. It was a lot. I lost a lot. It was the lightest I'd ever been. Yeah. And then I fucked my shoulder up. And I got really scared about doing anything like that ever again. I still get that way. But I actually, this year, I finally, like, pushed through it and was, like, your shoulders got, the shoulders got to either, like, buck up and shut up or, like, that is, this is, it has no other option. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to try and be tied down by that sort of thing anymore. By that kind of, you know, fear, and trying to just you know be just to be me. And again, that's what I'm saying. He's like, yeah, I have like, I'm trying to figure out what to do now in terms of like having hobbies and things. And like, I feel like I've just been disconnected from people because I I kind of have like you know my my roommates that I hang out with and my friends and everything that I've known since college. And yeah, it's like definitely. it's hard sometimes to meet people anymore. And especially, you know, when I'm going to be going back to the dating pool, eventually, like that whole thing, like you don't go up to people in bars anymore. You just don't. Yeah, it's creepy. I mean, you know. But it's but it's so it's so weird, too, because it's like, yeah, meeting people, it seems like so difficult, but at the same time, it almost isn't. It's the crazy thing about what I've learned on this trip is that like, I've, uh, the first couple of days were a little rainy because I went to the Grand Canyon, then went to Monument Valley, yeah. which is like not a lot of people except for tourists. And then I went to Denver. And I was like, had a whole day planned. I was like, I'm going to go for a hike. I'm going to check out this part, this spot here, but I'm having breakfast here first. And I stopped in for breakfast and I'm just wearing like a shitty, like my beach body shirt. I was wearing it at the gym. It's a workout shirt. Cause I was going to go for a hike and I knew I was probably going to sweat. Yeah. And I sit down and there are these two people next to me. They're talking to, and then all of a sudden like, oh, I just canceled my beach body on demand sort of thing. And then we just were talking through like the whole meal, these two, these two, these two girls. And I was like, 
I'm just sitting there and like, it is, it was just like so easy. Cause I, I thought that I can be very awkward. I think sometimes around people and, and it's not in this instance when I, when I have a microphone in my face and it's talkative, this is, this is yeah. how, you know, the way that I'm Isn't speaking. Isn't it weird? Because I feel like when there's a microphone in front of my face, I'm like instantly way more articulate than I am in real well, life. Well, yeah. Cause it's on the record. You're, yeah. you're, you are there for all of posterity, but it's one of those things that like, yeah, I get so nervous of being because I. This is kind of how I speak, almost in general, when I'm ta- when I'm having a, a, an extensive conversation. My ex used to refer to it as my interview voice. Um, that that's just naturally how I would speak, as if I was preparing myself like for that moment. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm which of that. which was mean but fair. I think when she said that, I was like, yeah, that is kind of how I speak. Isn't that the worst when people point out things about and you? You're like, it's fuck. a little mean, but it's like on the nose. But it's true. Like, it's like that is I can't how I really am. be mad at you, but I am. But yeah, I I. But then it was so crazy because I thought like you know, I was like, I'm gonna you know just take things as they are and just talk to people and like try to be more affable and like be a human, be a fucking human being. Mm-hmm. And. This was one of those instances because usually I was like, if this was any other day, if I was like in New York, I probably would just be like, uh huh, yeah, oh cool, funny, 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 and then just move on to like whatever I was doing. Yeah, I relate to this and, so hard. And I was like, no, I'm gonna talk to these to these people, and you know, it was just, but it, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like I was imposing myself on them. We were just right, like right next to each other. We had like a really nice conversation, and then all of a sudden, we get our checks, and I just think in my head, I'm like, you have to see what these people are doing. Yeah, and I said, "Are you guys doing anything?" And they said, "No, not really. We were probably gonna go to, like a thrift store and then this." I'm like, "Oh, I was gonna go to this bookstore." I'm like, they're like, do you want to go?" And I said, yeah. "I was like, I was like, do you want to go?" And they're like, "That's scary." They were like, "Yeah." Well, that was the craziest thing because it's like, I don't do that. This is not who I am. Yeah. There are times. Isn't it crazy? That there are certain times where you just suddenly become like very smooth, and like, you and become, you're like, "This isn't me." What? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely. You're like, that, who's yeah. this guy? Yeah. And I, because I was in the middle of the conversation, I was like, you have not, you, your plans actually mean nothing. It's almost like, it, it felt like to me, I was like, the universe is throwing you a, a boat, a rope. Like, do not swipe it away. Yeah. Like, take this opportunity and just do it. And I spent like half the day with those two. Oh, well, that's amazing. Yeah, I got, I got some, I got some good shirts out of it too. Um, and, and a book. I got a, I got a Vonnegut encyclopedia for like 10. Yes. Oh, nice. Um, nice find. But it was great. It was great. It was like, I was like, this is exact. And it reminded me exactly why I was doing this in the first place is the idea to kind of be, you know, more open to experience and be more open to kind of adventure as opposed to kind of just being in a bubble. And then later when I went to Omaha, I had like a pretty good conversation with like my Airbnb host. And then like later on that night when I came back, like his, him and his friends just hanging out. It was a great conversation. I learned a lot. They're both journeymen. Um, oh, it was funny because I was listening to that episode with your dad last yeah, yeah. night. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. I'm like, I got to tell him, like, I met basically two journeymen. And it was like, and it made me feel like, man, am I in the wrong business? Yeah. But it's like, it's that thing where like, I, and I've also on the road, I've been reading this book um, of interviews with uh, Werner Herzog. Oh, I love Werner Herzog. Yeah. And it's been, and it's been great. It's been really fun trying to explain to people who don't know who he is. And, yeah. I, and the go-to I do is Parks and Rec. Because remember when he's in like... Oh, he's in that like, Yeah, he sells house. April and Andy yeah. their house. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm moving away so I can get closer to Disney World. Um, Paul Tompkins, <laughs> speaking of, Paul Tompkins is a great impression of Werner Herzog. And someone actually recently played him that impression. And he was like, that's good stuff. <laughs> That's but, so. Fu- I think I saw that interview. Yeah, yeah. But but he um, 
but I've been reading this this book, which I knew I was going to say for the trip because it's a big one. But it's in, him and Paul Cronin, who also wrote two other great interview books. Um, one with Alexander McKendrick, which is called On Filmmaking. Alexander McKendrick is probably best known for making the original Lady Killers and Sweet Smell of Success, which is a phenomenal movie written by Clifford Odets, um, who did Waiting for Lefty and Country Girl. And, well, Country Girl's such a good play. I love Odets. His dialogue is, like, impeccable. Um, and and then he did one with Kiristami. Abbas Kiristami, who was an Iranian director who just died, like, two years ago. Yeah. Um is probably one of those discoveries I've had in the last couple of years that have like really knocked me on my ass. Like there's been a few directors, especially when, when Filmstruck was a thing and now Criterion Channel, like my friend, my roommate and I, the one again, who I think is a genius. Um, even though he would hate that if, if, if I, when I tell him that, but he's not gonna listen to this anyway. So fuck him. Uh, <laughs> um, but we like dive into that sort of thing. We're always kind of exploring people. Like we were looking at like Fassbinder and Tarkovsky and like all these foreign, like I love foreign film a lot. Yeah, I think people need to see, especially filmmakers, need to see what other people in other countries are doing, especially looking at the masters. Yeah, definitely. But there have been some people lately that I've disco- that we've discovered that like we really love that nobody really knows about, like Pierre Tex, who's like this French clown who made this incredible movie called Le Grand Amour that like blew me away. And then we watched. Um, it's actually funny because it, it, the, these directors were name dropped in the souvenir is Powell and Pressburger, who are these British. Who is this British duo in like in the middle of the forties? Um, and made like the string of great, great movies like Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. They're probably best known as called The Red Shoes, which okay. I haven't seen. And but they did this oh, they did this movie called A Matter of Life and Death, which like blew me away. They're just they're the movies are so rich and full of life and color, and and especially in in post war and war era Britain, like really talking about the idea of camaraderie and and Colonel Blimp is kind of about this this one colonel who is like throughout all these different wars leading up to world war ii all these other conflicts that britain was involved in and how he's actually and how he made a friend in a german soldier who also was kind of peppered in through all those conflicts and that idea of like camaraderie and friendship yeah in the face of your opponent it was actually very sympathetic to like loving your enemies despite their faults and churchill of course did not want the movie to be released it was released in 43 so in the height of the war yeah ballsy movie at the time it's also very long but very good i think it's a, it's a beautifully composed movie and a matter of life and death is also great too we're talking about kind of you know american and british relationships after the war oh wow where yeah. where a british soldier falls in love with an american with an american uh correspondent and how it's like and how he was like supposed to die that's, this is a, so the premise is like David Nevin is is a is a pilot and he's and he's going down on his plane because he's he's been shot down and he's talking to this one American woman on the radio mm-hmm. and they instantly like fall in love because they have like there's this kind of like he has nothing to lose because he's gonna he knows he's probably yeah. gonna die and then he wakes up on the beach alive <gasps> and he goes and he finds the girl and they fall in love. But then an angel comes out and says, hey, I'm an emissary from heaven. This was a total, this is, hey, this is our bad. This is a clerical error. You weren't supposed to survive. So, so I got to take, so take, take, take you back. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's like, no, but I've, I, I have something to live for now. I have, I have a life. Yeah. And it then becomes this thing of him trying to make a case to stay and mm. proving it. And it's about kind of the idea that like, you know, Britain, Britain and America don't mix like this whole thing. And it's, it's a great, great movie. They're, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal directors. And, and they, and I think more people in, in the state should really know them. Um, but Pierre Tex, 
Harry Lloyd is another one, of course, who yeah. we were talking about earlier in terms of silent era comedians. And uh, Fassbender, I've, I've been really intrigued by. Um, Chantal Ackerman is a, is a fascinating, fascinating filmmaker. But it's but Kiristami, that's I was like I was like who was I who oh, brought yeah, us yeah. to this? But Kiristami, I think the Iranians are great, great filmmakers, are great artists in in a very oppressive kind of place. Like um, Askar Farhadi, who did that movie, A Separation, and The Salesman, and about Ellie. I think The Separation is one of the best movies ever made. Like, especially over the last like twenty years. Yeah, it is like even the last like ten years. It is like so unbelievably precise and like daring and emotional, and and it's and you wouldn't expect that. But I and I've so I've, I've always had a soft spot for the Iranians, and then Kiristami is like the master. But the way that he plays with form is fascinating. Like his movies, like Close Up is just is just this movie about, it's like a documentary, but also not because it's like this guy like was mistaken for this other famous director. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm this guy. And he integrated himself into this family, <laughs> like trying to be like, you know, oh, I'm going to make, I'll make a movie about you guys and you'll be the stars and like, it'll be this whole thing. Yeah. And then he like asked them for like money just to borrow some money for like a cab or something. And then like, he was discovered as a fraud and he was imprisoned. And then Kurosami found out about that story and then went to film the actual trial and oh like interview the guy and interview the family. But then he also recreates everything that happened with the actual people. Whoa. So it's like this. Very, so the actual people are. Yeah. Are playing the themselves. Oh my God. So it is like this, including the guy who did the whole thing. And it's like, it's this very like mixture of documentary and, and, and recreation and fiction Whoa. and it's like and it's like what is and that's the kind of thing that he would do all the time it's like blurring the line exactly yeah. and it's like it's such a great it's it's a tough movie it took me a while to get into it yeah but it is i think he is so fascinating in the way that he in, he constructed things but back to what i was what i was saying about about Werner, because he also complimented yeah, his work exactly is the idea that like it is just about trying to find truth and the idea of like you know i think i was so focused on being wanting to be a writer and trying to just write and do all these things that I wasn't living. And I was getting nervous that I'm kind of writing in circles and kind of writing about similar things and similar stories because I haven't experienced enough. Yeah, you life. have to allow yourself to live. Right, or have, or, have, or have hobbies or do anything like that. And it's like we, you know, Werner says that he's very against film school. I'm, I'm 50-50 on it. Yeah. I would have liked to have taken better advantage. Well, it's funny it. that he says that, but he teaches a master class on... The masterclass yeah, website. It's like death staring you in the face. <laughs> I love that that's the first line in the, in the preview part. Which I took some of it. It's, it's a pretty helpful class. I really want to. I really want to do a bunch of those. Yeah. I think, but I think I'm. I'm all, I know I, David Lynch has one now too. Yeah. <laughs> you you should just look at the camera and just shoot. Like that's it's just so crazy. He's whacked. He's someone whose work I don't. I still. I'm really nervous about rewatching Mulholland Drive because every time I've rewatched Blue Velvet, I've liked it less. Yeah, because I loved. You know, Blue I think Velvet that's I saw it. A, a, a common thread with his work because it's funny. I love Twin Peaks and I still like it. Yeah, Twin Peaks. I haven't watched the the revival. Um, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's way different than the original because he has a total control yeah. over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I was watching Twin Peaks with Claire and I was like excited to show her, but then she sh like, just cause you know, when you rewatch something with yeah. somebody else and you're kind of watching it through their eyes 
And then you see new things because they yeah. respond to it differently. And you're like, oh, they don't like this as much. As yeah. Like- and then I realized there's like a ton of misogyny in it that I didn't really see because I'm yeah. a, a straight white man. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, man. And she's like, I'm sorry if I ruined that for her. I'm like, no, don't apologize to me. No, like- there's certain things that you watch and you're like, you know, you just, it's just not the same as it used to be. But yeah, Blue Velvet's that way where I was like, I loved it the first time I saw it. I oh, like, yeah. I can't believe you could do movies like that. There are there are great movies like that that I'm always like, I can't, I didn't know that you could do that. One of the big well, ones. I think, yeah, I yeah. think to go back to Blue Velvet though, really quick, I, I love like certain moments of it, but I don't, yeah. I don't know if it I mean, fits. Dennis together. Hopper is yeah. so good. He's phenomenal. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. Movie. Like that is, that's like the reason you see that movie. Yeah. his performance he's, he's just so iconic it's just instantly like so good but yeah there's bits of it that you're like what yeah <laughs> um and I, I get very nervous about watching Maholland that way but I what I loved about Maholland and what I think is great about David Lynch is that he Maholland and I also just saw this movie Long Day's Journey into Night that's not the play that's that's a that's a be gone movie that was like it's it's a that's a wild trip both those movies are the closest I've ever seen anyone actually be able to physically show what a dream feels like. Like yeah. to feel like you're dreaming in a way. Mulholland is very much that way. And then when I saw Linda Turner, I'm like, I haven't it's felt so this way since, Ma- since Mulholland. And, but yeah, I, but, but Werner, what Werner was saying was, it was he's kind of against film school because he thinks that, you know, he goes, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just do this. You should, you should go out and be a bouncer at the nightclub or, uh, or, um, or work at the men's, like an insane asylum and like live. And I'm like, it's true. We should like try and do these other things. Cause it kind of seems like kind of sometimes that the art is within us and school is helpful for, for certain people. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly one of those people. I love to learn. I love reading. I love to watch movies. I love to just absorb and then kind of try and, you know, go back out and try and channel it again. But for some people it's, it's not helpful. I mean, yeah. other than again, like, you know, free equipment rentals, but but you should just, you know, go out and live something else and then your art will stem from that. It's so funny because my professor, who I talk to every so often, was like, you know, you should, he goes, you should, you know what you should do? You should just, the basis is just five easy pieces it and just vanish for like a year. <laughs> he goes, and just work your way across the country and like stay in a town for a few months and then, you know, like have an affair with like a waitress, like, like five easy pieces of shit. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that movie with Nicholson. It's a great I movie. That's like a quintessential like seventies like movie, and that's what I instantly thought of in that instance. And I was like, I there is a part of me like loves the romanticism of that, but that's you can't do that. It's now. just impractical. But it would be, but it would be so cool. It would, I would, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Honestly, if I if I actually if I felt that I could come back and not feel like I've lost my place on like the ladder, which is the other thing that always scares me about leaving and growing anywhere, is like is. I would, I would do it. I would definitely just see what it was like. Yeah. This is almost like me dipping my toe in the water this whole trip in that, in that way. And I do want to go back. I want to go back to Denver really badly. I want to go to, I want to, I like the moment I planned this trip, I wanted to do like one up North and then one down South. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about this trip. So, yeah. so walk me through like how it began and what's led you here. Well, I've been wanting to do it for a while. I think that I've, I've been itching. I kind of, it's weird because I feel like so introverted, but I've also had this this, inc- this itching to just kind of travel. It's so funny because the first audiobook that I cracked open was Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie, which is a great, great book. It's one of the best road trip books ever. It's probably my favorite Steinbeck book. Um, and that's saying something because I think Steinbeck's a great writer. But he was talking about like there is like this American need to be anywhere else. 
Yeah, that's and definitely true. It's like, like I remember growing up being like, I don't want to be in Springfield anymore. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I yeah. didn't want to be in Shrewsbury anymore. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's that's like a Patton Oswalt thing where he says, you know, you when you grew up in a small town, you've actually been given a gift. Because that gift is called the test of the small town. You pass the test when you say, I'm leaving before I kill everyone and then myself. <laughs> um, so true. But I, yeah, I things just started to converge in terms of like my work. And I was having that, you know, that feeling of I, I had been so work focused that I wasn't really living. And that, and I also just, you know, was really questioning what I wanted to do for, for money in my office. And then also my relationship was coming, my current relationship was ending, coming to an end. And it was a mutual thing, you know, we're just going in different directions and things like that. But yeah. I I suddenly had a lot of things to think about and a lot of time that New York just can't afford you. Um, I love the city a lot, but it's, it's one of those things that mentally you kind of can't fully get away from it. You can't really confront things. Or at least I kind of don't allow myself to do that. Yeah. I mean, um, I feel the same way in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was like, I need to just stick out on the road and just go around and just kind of see this country and see more of it and just do and just, you know, try to be with people and try to be engaged. And I thought I was fucking that up at first. And then once I hit Denver and that whole day happened, I was like, okay, you're still kind of on the right track. You're, you know, it feel it feels good. Yeah. And I, yeah, I... It's 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 been an interesting experience so far. I'm in the middle of it. This is basically the midway point, and I think that I, I picked my places because I wanted to see them. Of course, I want to see the Grand Canyon, which is like phenomenal. It is like I can't even believe that it's real when you're looking at it. I don't know if you've ever. Been. I've never been. It is like unreal. Yeah. You're like this doesn't exist. <laughs> no way. Pictures really the, the sheer immensity of it is phenomenal, and yeah. like. And and then Monument Valley is really cool as a big Western fan, the John Ford fan, and being like and seeing those buttes and those mesas is oh, wow. awesome. It was really cool. Um, and then yeah, and then and then Denver I'd always been wanting to go to, and like it's a beautiful, beautiful state. And I come from New England, and like I love Maine, I love Vermont, I love New Hampshire, but like Colorado is like pretty close in terms of like the most beautiful state I've ever seen. Like. Yeah. All these mountains, like seeing the Rockies, like whenever oh. I see the mountains, whether it's the Rockies or the Appalachians, I'm just like, whoa. Um, and then even Omaha, I went to Omaha in high school, and I was the most depressed I'd ever been there. And I always, as as such, always because of Omaha, or just because of where I think were? where I was and the city didn't help. <laughs> and I always had like a stank on Omaha. I said Omaha, Omaha is my second least favorite city in the country. What's your least favorite? Well, uh, no, I almost said LA. LA is number three. Well, now number two. I don't like LA that much, really. <laughs> but um, oh, but New Haven. Oh, okay. New Haven's. I'm sorry, anyone who lives in New Haven is listening, but New Haven's a shithole. I think a Reef's parents have a house there. Yeah, I I hate that city. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I. But then I went. I checked out Alexander Payne's Theater. I love like Nebraska. Ironically, Nebraska is like one of my favorite movies. I think it's. Oh yeah, a, it's so good. That's a great, great movie. It's very. I feel very personally attached to it. Um, for reasons that would take just too long to explain. But yeah. <laughs> um. But then I and I checked it out and I was like, yeah, I kind of like. I wish I actually had like another day here just to kind of explore because I kind of arrived in the middle of the day and I kind of was just kind of hanging around. But I, but yeah, it's I've I've liked those kind of like stopping over in Des Moines for like a, a breakfast and like a regular old diner sort of thing. I missed that. I hadn't had a really decent like down home middle America breakfast in a long time. Yeah. And then I came here because I've been dying to come back here for years, and you know. I know now. I know all you guys here. I have family here, and yeah, I just haven't definitely. visited. 
because I've gone to other places and I decided I was like, no, I need to, I need to like, and of course we're all, we're going to all meet up after Well, yeah. This. And I, I was so happy that you reached out and yeah. like <clears throat> wanted to get on the podcast. Like that is awesome. No, of course. Cause I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't want, I didn't, I, I felt like I was like, oh, I don't want to ask. I don't want to like impose or anything. It's no, like, seriously. Yeah. I'm like always desperate for guests. Um, so. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was just one of those. And now and I'm going to Cleveland tomorrow where I'm going to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm also going to go see a concert there. Charlie oh, Bliss. Yes, yes. Um, one of my favorite bands that's working today, Charlie Bliss, just released a new album, Young Enough. It's phenomenal. I think it's really good. One of the best records of the year. Um and then I'll be going to, I still don't know if I'm going, I'm going to, I have to cut through upstate New York. I'm probably going to try and see if I can go see the falls um, to go see Niagara. Oh yeah. Um, and then probably going to stay with a friend and catch up with I haven't seen in years in Western Mass and then spend the night and then finally go back home to Shrewsbury because my brother's graduating high school. And then that'll be the most time I spend anywhere. And then I'll drive back to New York on this, on Sunday on the 16th. Um, and it's been it's been interesting so far. I think it's I'm really glad that I did it. I yeah. really I really am. I think that and you know, I've gotten a lot of audiobooks through. I've had I've gotten a lot of, you know, and I've been th- <laughs> but I've been thinking about it a lot and that's kind of the biggest thing and it's tough cuz it's a I'm, reflective yeah. uh, period. And yeah. I'm a very much a reflective person. Do you ever and, think you're too reflective? Oh, I, absolutely. Me me too. I'm always like you just got to you just got to live your life. That was one of my goals for 2019 is yeah. to not be as reflective. Because yeah. sometimes I think it stops me from doing things that I, could, well, yeah, you know, I can be a little more productive. One of, one of my favorite songs I think is like the the epitome of who I am and how I think is a song by Modern Baseball called "Fine Great." And the, the first line is like, "I I'm too I'm too oh god I, why am I blanking on it?" It was like I'm sick of worrying about the future because all my current problems are based around the past. Yeah, and it's like I always I said the other day I was like I have a timeshare in the past. It's like, like I've I'm kind of constantly kind of going back and trying to think and like where did things go wrong and things like that. And it's and it is what it is. But it's like you know, I think it's been I like when I went on a hike in Denver after I met those two people after we parted ways, and I just and I just kind of didn't I didn't plug in. I just kind of s- stood around and just walked. And didn't go to nowhere in particular. And it felt like the most clear I had been in a long time. But I actually had actually started to kind of just think yeah. about things. Because sometimes when you're in the car, you're driving and you're going through, but you're listening to an audiobook or even like music or things like that. But, you know, I think it was the first time I actually had like the moment to really just kind of think and not worry about where I was going to go next or anything. And just kind of be like, okay, this is, you know, you can kind of think through some shit. And I still have, you know, a whole other week to do, to think about it even more. And it's just, you know, it's great just to be with your, because people were like, oh, you're doing it by yourself. That's really rough. I'm like, yeah, it can be rough. But at the same time, it's like, I needed to be by myself. I think I need, yeah. to, I need to sit with me. Um, and I'm not always great company. Uh, but I need to, you know, I need to sit with myself and just kind of be, just to be. Yeah. And just, just to be a human and to be. It sounds very meditative. Right. Yeah, it can be. And I, I, I tried meditation for like a year and I couldn't, it just became another thing. You know? Yeah, that you had to. Do. Yeah, that I had to do every yeah. day. I, you know, I've tried it a little bit, and I, uh, you know, there is. I think there's something to it because yeah. to just sit there and just like, but I just can't do it every day. It That's is hard problem. to do every day. It's yeah. true. But yeah, I just 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 to sit there and be a human and to be sad or to be or you know to let things kind of waft over you. Certainly, moments I've had that I've gotten very emotional in the car. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm I'm proud of my own, you know, my masculinity and my sexuality and everything. But like. 
you know, there are definitely times where I've, you know, I obviously, you know, with the, when a, with the relationship ending, it's, it's sad and you, and you, you know, you cry. You got to cry it out. It's how it goes. Yeah. It's like emotionally throwing up. That's how it goes. But, you know, and there's a certain moments that like would hit me and I'd just be very kind of melancholic and be very, but, but I was like, no, just sit here and be sad. Yeah. You'll get up and you'll feel better. And then that's, you know, and you just move on. Well, I always, whenever I'm in a moment like that, I'm always like, you're, you're alive. I look at the basic exactly. things like you're alive, you're like healthy somewhat, hopefully. Um, and then, yeah, you're just kind of like living each moment, like yeah. one at a time. You are, we are here. Yeah. We are still standing and we are fine. And it's, and it's like, we're alive. Um, you know, we're young and it's funny. I was listening to, I was listening to a song on the way here and the whole mantra I was, cause I was making a playlist, another playlist. And I was like, this has to be in this one. It had like, this song has to be here. Cause I hadn't heard in a long time. And it was like, you know, it's like, I'm 20 something and I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still alive and, you know, I'm, and I'm doing just fine. And it's like, you know, just kind of give yourself a break. Yeah. I think that, I think that I was talking about this with my, with the person I'm staying with in Chicago this morning where it's like, you know, you, I think your twenties are like the entire decade of your twenties is trying to figure out how to live your twenties properly. Like, yep. <laughs> like that is what you're trying well, to do. Well, yeah. With. I talked to people who are in their thirties that have said, 30s are a lot better than yeah. your 20s. Well, you're so nervous. being like, am I doing this right? Am I living properly? Am I traveling enough? Am I, am I, you know, yeah. even some people like, am I sleeping with enough people? Like, am I, well, yeah, am you're I in enough relationships? In, like, the age of, in the age of Instagram, you're always comparing yourself to like what other people are doing. Yeah, exactly. And like yeah. my friends are, you know, my, one of my friends just got engaged and like, it's, it's whacked. And yeah. It's like, it's so crazy because I'm like, I'm not even at that point at all. And like, people are moving in with their girlfriends and like things like that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even, oh, what? I don't even have one anymore. But it's like, I don't even know if I could get to that point yet. Yeah. Of like being, because it's like, I need, I have a lot of shit that I need to work out before I can really be like a good partner. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, so Claire and I moved in together. Yeah. And it was, it was a scary decision for us because we had been dating for five months. But the only yeah. thing that was really scary about it was the fact that, um, there was pressure from other people saying, yes. but we were like, no, we feel good about it though. And we're going to do it. But there, w- along with that, there have been a lot of, uh, you know, we realize each other's habits are a lot different and we yeah. have to like make compromises and we're still working through that. But I'm like, that's all part of the process. Yeah, of exa- it. No, yeah. exactly. You're figuring it out. I always wonder, I've never lived with a partner before. Yeah. So kudos to you for that, but <laughs> it's it's my first time and yeah. it's it's going really well. It's also because every girlfriend I've ever had doesn't like New York, so that's a problem. Um, <laughs> I can't. You need to myself. meet someone in New York then. That's what everyone yeah. keeps telling me. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to. I'm like I'm looking forward, but not looking forward to going back on on Tinder. I, it's going to take me a while before I I think can really. Jump it's a tough it. thing. Well, what's yeah. so tough about it too is that it feels like you're being interviewed. It really the wor- does. The worst yeah. dates are like kind of like you know what do you do what are you into where do you see yourself in five years and like it's like. You may as well ask that question. Like you may as well say, where do you see yourself in five years? You may as well slide a resume across the table. Well, the funniest thing about my first date with Claire was that I, and I think this is part of the reason why we continued to see each other, was this really funny thing that kind of like broke the tension happened where I was drinking like um, Manhattan that had these really tart cherries and... (laughs) I, I wasn't expecting them to be really tart. Right. So I ate one and I like practically was choking. And I was like, I'm sorry, I have to go to the bathroom. And then that just like broke any of the like tension yeah. that was happening. And 
the it just was like it it was one of the first dates i've ever had that went so smoothly because of this like really awkward awkward thing a very human thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i was like wow it kind of taught me like if you're just like present in the moment and you're yourself like as opposed to trying to be like i want to do things to you and i want you to do things to me Yeah. Possibly forever. Like it doesn't, it just, that mindset is just very, is very bad. And it can be so tough because of, you know, the commodification of, of people and of culture and the way that things are, you know, we're documenting experiences and, and we're trying to, um, you know, it's just making, I mean, and trying to find people that, you know, and trying to find the right partner because that's what you do. And yeah. you do this thing as opposed to trying to find like someone who actually gel with and stuff like that. It's very hard. I, I get nervous about that all the time. I don't think I'm not a very easy person to be with. Because I'm a very specific type of person. Yeah. As everybody is. As everybody is. Because I, before I moved in with Clara, I was like, I'm such an, like, I've had roommates before, but with roommates, you don't really talk about your habits that much. Like, yeah. I feel like you kind of keep it pent up. So I'm sure I've had roommates who hated living with me, but just hadn't right. said Right. They didn't want to say anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happens all the time. But, uh, and if you, any of my old roommates are listening, I apologize for my messiness sometimes. But, um. But yeah, like living with a partner is so different because you have to, um, I mean, you have to live with it all the time. And so you have to bring these things up, even if they're hard to confront. Yeah, Um, I think it's, and I was going to say, this is where I was going to say, I've never lived with a partner, but it's like, I always wondered what is harder? What is it? What is a better test of how the relationship's going to go? If you live together, if you travel together? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's something I I, I always wonder about. I've, I've only done one and not the other. And it's like, I think traveling with somebody, especially if you're going like across, like if you're going like to another country is like a really strong test. Cause you see people at like their worst when they're traveling. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I always think back to like family vacations where we're like yelling at each other and everybody's yeah, exactly. pissed off and tired. I, and yeah. then you get back from the trip and this is at least with my family, we would all be like, Oh, that was fun. Even though we like fought yeah. the whole time. Well, it's like, <laughs> it's like, in, it's like in that Simpsons episode when, when like, well, we had some good family memories and Marge was like, yes, this truly was the best vacation ever. And I'll now let us never speak of it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, um, it's so funny, but yeah, I'm still just trying to, I, cause yeah, I'm still in the middle of it. So I'm, I'm still, very stream of consciousness in terms of it. But so far it's been, I'm really, I'm, I don't regret doing it at all. I think it was a smart move. Yeah. Cause I feel, and I feel like I, I just need to really kind of decompress from it once I get back from New York and kind of figure out what I want to do. I think I'm, I'm starting to think about what is next exactly. And like what I want to do and how I want to proceed and how I just, you know, want to live and like do, I like, I know what I want. I think I, I think I have like, I got, I got some ideas for hobbies and like, and things like that and things I want to do I've, I've missed shooting a bow I loved archery so much when I was when I was oh, younger oh yes you should get back into no, it no I really want can. I really want to well, yeah. when, we, when we made the movie when we made Arrow's Point last year we, we I took my actors to an archery range and we just kind of oh, like wow. tested it out because we had like a bow and arrow integral to the, kind of the end of the movie spoiler alert um, but, well hey yeah before we wrap up yeah. here um, let's talk about your production company a little bit um, Fitchfort Films Fitchfort Films yeah um when did this start? Well, we formed it in college. I kind of jumped into the group much later. I actually, I didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, so not they, much. Well, yeah. not much later. We pretty much all got to know each other like our freshman year of college. But like, I jumped in a few oh, months great. into them knowing each other, making videos. But then, yeah, we've been we've been making videos pretty much since 2011. And um, you know, there's there's now a core of us that have that have kind of been making things and and 
trying it. We've made, we've made short films. We've made just sketches. We we tried this experiment where we tried to make like Instagram videos that were like sixty seconds or less. Yeah, I remember seeing. Yeah, those. Was, and like it was like a one every week. You were trying. To yeah, do, we're doing right? one every yeah. week. We tried to do one every week for a year, and we didn't do it, which really bummed me out. But like, <laughs> it was really that's hard, that's hard to keep up with. It was hard to keep up with. Yeah, and we would bankroll and we'd shoot like more than one like. Yeah. Like a couple. Dude, like, that's what I used to do with this podcast. And then I got, you know, like, yeah, it, I'm, it, it, I'm it, it, recording this the day before I'm releasing it. So, which blew me away <laughs> I know. when you said that. I was like, yeah, this probably isn't going to come out for another couple months. Yeah. And then you're well, like, I was like, since it's the last one, I'm just like, whatever. Like, I'm just going to do it the day before. Well, yeah. you know, actually, the way I planned it out was like, you were like, well, I'm coming in, you know, the 9th and 10th. And I was like, that'll work. You know? Yeah, good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. Was, and, yeah, and so I had it planned that this would be the last one. Yeah, um, but I, I know I was risking it a little bit. But well, I was gonna say like when I listened to the uh, episode with your dad, you're like yesterday, you're like there's one more. I was like, oh, I wonder who it's gonna be. And I was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> surprise, um, surprise. Uh, and this is gonna be one of our longest one. I think it will be our longest. I one, know. Which I, I'm like, take that a reef. Yeah, take yeah. that a reef. Um, um, which we're going to see him tonight. So yes, I'm very excited. I haven't seen a reef in ages. Yeah, I think the last, awesome. I mean, I'm really, I mean, and Kyle and Alex too. I'm really excited. Well, to see it's him. funny. I live in the same city as a reef and I don't see yeah. him that often. Like I live in the same fucking neighborhood as him. That's so, well, that happens all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, you just and I, I honestly think the last time I probably saw him, well, no, I saw him once after after you recorded your episode. Yeah, but it's been months since I've seen him. No, that happens all the time. Yeah. It's like I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you for five years. five years, and we just start. Yeah, I know. Going it's, back and forth. It's, like, it's so yeah. crazy that sort of thing. But like, it's like that's how. I mean, this is definitely the most we've talked. No, about absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I and it, and it makes me wish that we had talked more. I know. I, I got right? to know you guys more because I really. Well, I really and it's like, like I feel like at that point in my life, I was tw- what twenty twenty one. Yeah, and I, you know, I wasn't at. I don't think I was open as open as I am now. No, me neither. And as like, you know, it, it it would take me months to like cultivate relationships. No, absolutely, people. same here. It's yeah. like, which it is so crazy that like I I connect. That's why I was like, oh, I really like these these people. Like with yeah, you, yeah. And I think we felt the same way. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. one time. I yeah, I remember specifically this one time I launched into a conversation with both like Arif and Janice. I was in like I was locked in like talking to Janice. I was locked in time for like four hours straight during a party. Oh yeah, with yeah. the cats. And I was like, I never forgot that. I was like, whoa, this is fucking nuts. Yeah, because I like I usually was not that open so quickly with someone that I like barely barely knew. But I re- but yeah, we've been we've been working on a bunch of stuff, but we we made we did those shorts. I really like doing them. those are really fun. And I wish that we had gotten to fifty two, but unfortunately is it and I wish it had taken off more because I thought that we were really ahead of the curve on that one. Well it's a great idea because it's like these videos that yeah. like a bunch of people are gonna see. And it felt it's every and, it, and it felt week. so untapped at that yeah. point. No one had really gotten to it. I felt like the first time that we weren't just trying to catch up by making, you know, like short films or or YouTube sketches and things like that and not and then being buried under all the other content stuff out yeah and i thought like oh my god we finally have something that we were just going to bounce it just didn't happen but that that's just the nature of how it goes yeah yeah and we're still doing our best we're working on a web series right now we, we've done a writer's room it's the first time we've ever done like a collaborative process like oh that's great up how is that compared to just writing it by yourself it's interesting it can be frustrating but it is that's just kind of because i feel like it would be tough to get everybody on, on board page. no yeah. it's really difficult yeah. i think in certain decisions and stuff like that but you know every person's got we've done we're doing six episodes i think and then one person's written per episode each episode that's a good way to do it yeah we we had it we had a we had a head-to-head for the finale so do you do you plot it out and well i guess 
course we'll get into more of this. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we outlined it before we even started writing it. We did, and the only time we ever did like a head to head of who got to do it was for the pilot. And I did it, and the friend who I called the genius, um, did it did his his own version as well. Yeah, you can guess who who made it out of that one. Um, <laughs> It is a very good pilot. I was I was very upset at the time, and I felt very bad about that because um, it was my own personal prejudices yeah. a little bit in terms of, and it, it really sent me in, in a bit of a tizzy, existentially in terms of what I was doing this even for anyway. And I and I've I've scaled back from it now. We've and him and I have talked about it a, a lot. We had a really good conversation like a oh, couple, a couple weeks ago yeah. about it. And and I think that like I finally we were we were very much an understanding of each other. We can be we can be very combative, but. Do you, feel, do you feel like the uh, the room ever gets competitive with like um, pitching ideas or? Oh yeah, sometimes, yeah. but not as much anymore. We, we're all pretty much like we all have very. The thing is, we're all very different. I think in terms of our approaches to certain things, I think that is, Which is probably really good. I it, don't think you yeah. want a writer's room with people who have no, all absolutely. the same perspective. And it's been and it's been going and it's been going well. But now instead of writing the pilot, I'm now writing the finale. So I'm I'm bringing it all home. Oh, that's fun. That's which is, tough. Which is going to be but, interesting. Yeah. And I, I think I, I think I know exactly what I'm what I'm going to do. But you know what we'll do is you know someone will write get like two or three weeks to write an episode and they'll send it to us. We have a week to look so at. So can it. you give me a little bit of a synopsis of what the web series is going to yeah, be? Yeah, we're still not. It's basically just about someone returning back a box that is not that was falsely delivered to them, oh, and how it spirals that's a great out of yeah. It's yeah. A very it's it's. it's but it's it's been this whole thing, and and we're and we're working out. We're I'm excited to see where where it continues to go. Yeah, I think it's 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 been it's been a fun process just in terms of learning. Even if we don't end up making it, which of course I know that we do, but sometimes you know things fall through. But if they don't, but if they do, if they do fall through, which I hope they don't, but yeah. <laughs> it is I think still worth knowing how that works, how that process, and knowing how that goes. process works. Yeah, I was so bummed because I was trying to do my homework by listening to the podcast. Everything. The only thing I didn't do was watch concessions, and I really wanted to before I came here. And oh felt, yeah, no, no worries. And I felt so bad. But I am going to do it eventually because I almost was going to ask. Because then I was going to ask you about how you, you know, how you tackled it. And how well, you yeah, it. you know, it was I. It was one of those things. I made it in college, so I was I wanted to do the writers' room thing. I yeah. wanted to like have other people write episodes. It's just the people I worked with didn't want to put in that work yeah. for it. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just write all the episodes, but let me bounce ideas off of you. And so I would kind of take other people's ideas. And like, yeah. um, you just you, kind of throw things to a wall and see if they yeah. would stick. If, if they would stick, and if, you know, if some, if the majority of people who were involved didn't love the idea, I would go a different direction. Yeah, you know, but I, I, I did write all the episodes for it, but I would hand off directing duties to other people, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the other thing too is we're just trying to build up, you know, our writing, our writing abilities, and our in our process, and also our directing, you know, and yeah. that's that, that's what that's what it is, and we're also just interested in the story. But we're working on other things too. I, I have I have other projects I definitely want to pursue, other little shorts that I think would be pretty easy to do and some that would be a little bit more challenging that I'm I'm trying to really explore. But we're you know, we're always we're always trying to do a feature. We just need the right one. I've been working on a few. I know my other friends have been working on them as well. And like we're also just kind of figuring out and feeling and just feeling, you know, what's right. And I yeah, think that, exactly. Like, I feel very lucky to have the contingency in the group that I do have, the dynamic. Well, yeah, it's uh, if you find people who are willing, even if you have disagreements with yeah. them, who are willing to like work it out and like put in the hard work, like that is yeah. amazing. You yeah, know? absolutely. And I think that, you know, they're all, I, I respect their opinions so highly yeah. too. And it's, and it's like, I know I need to like not, I, I got to the point that I felt like I was a little too dependent on their opinions and it, and it felt like I need to kind of like, 
respect it but not be like emote like well yeah you know. i find myself in that place where i'm like you you need to be so open to this and then i'm like maybe maybe you need to also have a little bit of an ego and yeah. be proud of like to be confident you, about who you are what you not, bring yeah. to the table too you know but to not let people define you which is something that's very hard for me to do because i really yes. just so desperately want to be liked i mean it's like but you know you have to again just be confident in what you do and if someone doesn't like it that doesn't mean nobody else will it means that there's the possibility that other people will like it in a different in for a totally different reasons but it's it's all this is all again this is all stuff that i've been trying to think about a lot yeah. and it's been coming out on my mind a lot this year because of um because yeah just because of everything of of all these different things and again I've had nothing but time to think about it. At yeah. least, at least these last like, these last few weeks. Yeah. Well, hey, it was. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. McKay. No, absolutely. We're gonna be moving on to checking in with Wes. That's right. After this, so I'll still be talking to you. But in terms of the basement diaries, yeah. um, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. And thank you for having me. Yeah, this was so much fun. It's gonna be crazy listening to this tomorrow. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just a twenty-four hour turnaround. Yeah, it never ends. <laughs>